15 titles on my mind Seven world ones, one hardcore And seven tags with four different guys I Take a easy, take a easy Don't let the sound of gongs and bells Drive you crazy Lights up when I raise my hands Don't even try to understand the supernatural dead man So take a reason Well I'm standing on the corner of Death Valley, California Such a bright fire I see It's my house, my lord burned to the floor Lost my parents, brother, everything Come on, Kane Please don't blame Paul Bearer took me in as his and tried to train me. Rarely lose, I usually win. I never thought I'd see you again. You opened up the cell and climbed in so freaking easy. Running down the road and I'm all on my own Got a decade of destruction Call me big evil, not booger red But do call me American Take a easy, take a easy Don't let the sound of limpets get Drive you crazy Come on, fancy Bury me I'm coming back It's the dead man So take her easy Creatures of the Night, welcome to Talking Taker, episode 210 of our encyclopedic exploration, digging up the career of the greatest professional wrestling character of all time, The Undertaker. My name is Alex Dorio. I want to thank you for joining us for yet another round of Dead Man Talking, and I am joined, as always, by, uh, I think he's in there, uh, somebody, oh. it's, it's, Oh, hey, hey, man. It's all right. Reading the paper over there? Reading the Manscaped Daily News. Oh, my goodness. Are you a subscriber to that? Yes, I am. (laughs) It comes comes analog. It comes in print form. (laughs) It does. I saw you reading the obituaries on there. That's very Uh, timely. It is very timely, as I'm wearing this shirt. 
Oh, well, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's timely for that, you know, rest in peace, Jerry Jarrett. Yeah. Uh, and the genius and uh, yes. Jay Briscoe. I mean, sad month right. in, the, in the world of wrestling. But uh, uh, hey, let me finish my introduction. He is uh, <laughs> my tag team partner, my wrestling buddy, my fellow creature of the night. He has earned all of those names. He has earned his reputation. Earned. You are in. Yeah, yeah. Mr. Travis White and Travis, uh, we'll talk about Manscaped here in just a minute. But Travis, what we're really here to talk about, um, you know, it's a it's a sad occasion. It's been 10 years since we lost one of the all time greats uh, in the world of professional wrestling. One of the essential characters and pivotal characters of this podcast, Paul bearer passed away 10 years ago this month of march and so we decided what better time for us to honor him and celebrate him we've never done a full episode dedicated to paul bearer so tonight we're gonna write that wrong we're gonna cover the life and times of paul bearer talk about his entire career his run with the undertaker his importance to him and celebrate him as he deserves to be celebrated dude because uh i mean just what does Paul Bearer mean when it comes to the Undertaker? What what is he? What's his significance there? How how could you state his importance to that? I mean, he was the jelly to the peanut butter. I mean, he was. Mm. They go hand in hand. I mean, they really do. Like you, I don't know that the character would have had the legs initially, the with the the characterization of him without Paul Bearer. I really don't. And so I think he was very vital to uh, the origin and the first several years, five, six years of the Undertaker story. I don't think we'd be here today talking about Mark Calloway's 32 year run as Undertaker without uh, Paul Bear. I think you're exactly right. And and he's even so much more than just that run with The Undertaker as well. Yeah. He had a long history uh, in wrestling before he even became Paul Bearer. And he had an incredible run, um, you know, without The Undertaker. You know, he's. You could say the same thing about his run with Kane, about yeah. Kane would not be Kane. He would not have had oh. his Hall of Fame career without the uh, the, the special touch of Paul Bearer, mm-hmm. uh, his his father, uh, you know, guiding his career. And exactly. um, he did a lot of stuff outside of WWE, some, some really strange stuff, some interesting stuff. We're going to talk about all of that as well. Um, so we're, we're going to try to do, uh, we're going to try to honor him and uh, celebrate his legacy here uh, and continue to keep it alive year, 10 years uh, after his uh, tragic passing. Uh, but oh, very, yeah. very special episode, very fun episode. I'm very much looking forward to it. But, you know, as we do here on the podcast, uh, we like to cover our monthly Undertaker sightings and all of the news and events uh, that involve the Undertaker post-retirement. And boy, there was quite a lot in the month of February. You know, we got quite a bit to talk about here, Travis. Undertaker sightings. It's almost like Ripley's, believe it or not. But he's a busy little man. Hey, he's a... every time we record an episode, the next like week, he does all this stuff. And yes. then we have to wait till next month to talk about it. It's insane. It happens every month. Well, uh, it's crazy, man. We, we, we started this podcast thinking the Undertaker was retired. Uh, and then, you know, as the years have gone by, he's continued to be active and continues to do stuff that's needs to be talked about it's worthy of being discussed uh even three years now after he's he's had his final match uh 
so as it's we, like when like my parents, your parents are both now retired. My yes. parents are busier now with stuff than they were when they were working. Like they're like doing stuff and like doctor's appointments and well, yeah, half the time here. it's doctor's appointments. Hey, yes. I'm not saying it's good stuff. I'm just saying like I feel like they're <laughs> on the go a lot more now. Like that's what Taker's doing. He's retirement and he's just he's just doing what he wants to do, man. I, I asked my mom and dad if they wanted to come up here this week to see their granddaughter, and they literally had a doctor's appointment every single day. One of them or both of them. It's like, all right, well, maybe next week. Uh, I have to do the same. Like, mom and dad, you want to come up in like four months? Do you have any appointments that week? Like, do you, yeah, I have to do the same thing with them. So, anyway, <laughs> can't wait uh, to get there, man. Can't yeah, wait to get there. But... Well, we got some special news here today because uh, this week's or uh, this month's section of Undertaker sightings is brought to you by a very special sponsor. We are very excited, very proud to say that yeah. the Undertaker sightings and Talking Taker is brought to you this month by Manscaped. That's right, Manscaped. You know them, you love them. They are the leader in men's grooming. And uh, over 7 million men have jumped on board with Manscaped. And Talking Taker has as well. We are excited to say they are sponsoring the show. And they have an incredible offer for all you creatures of the night out there, our Pod Street crew. If you want to be looking good from head to toe, if you want to get the beard trimmed and looking tight, uh, if you want to stop looking like a dead man, if you want to clean up your Death Valley region, if you want to do whatever, you can get 20% off your entire order at manscaped.com plus free shipping, free shipping worldwide. And as someone who ships stuff on eBay and, and sells random stuff, that is no joke. That is quite yeah. a, quite the discount right there. 20% off yeah. and free shipping at manscaped.com by using the code TAKEREASY. Travis's catchphrase, you hear it every week here on the pod, all one word, TAKEREASY, manscaped.com. Get your free shipping at 20% off. And, dude, they were so kind enough to send us an incredible kit of all of their products, dude. Uh, they sent us the beard hedger, the weed whacker, the lawn mower, the crop preserver, the crop reviver. Uh, they sent us boxers. They sent us a t-shirt. Dude, uh, you, I know you've like been using it. It's like finishing moves. They could moves be. It is guy. their signature moves right yeah. there. No doubt about it. Dude, I know you've been using it this past month. I mean, what has been the highlight for you? Dude, this weed whacker, aside from being one that I do believe that uh, Charles Wright would enjoy the name of, uh, I do this one because see my four-year-old daughter she'll look at me at least once a week and just you know you're talking to somebody but you know they're not making eye contact they're looking at some yeah. other part of your body she's staring at my nose and she'll say daddy why do you have so much hair in your nose and, she, and I'm not even I'm not doing this for this commercial or for this ad I'm doing it in real life she legit doesn't so when I got this weed whacker in my little pack I was so excited I whacked the weeds and I went out there. I was like, look, honey. And she was like, I like it. So, yeah. Life changing. My four year old (laughs) no longer throws me under the bus for having hair all up in my beak. Thanks to Manscaped. (laughs) Well, you know, Paul Barry, he would often 
uh, he'd have the urn, and, and and some of his opponents would uh, would come out uh, to combat the urn. They might have a rag filled with ether, soaking that ether there. And you know, without the weed whacker, you know, maybe you could block the smell if you had exactly. that there. But uh, you, you've prevented that, and maybe you've made yourself more vulnerable now as you got the weed whacker. But that's okay. That's okay. Exactly. It's a great product, dude. I gotta say, I, I, you're you're uh, clean as a baby uh, on the face right there. But the number one for me has been the beard hedger, dude. Uh, you guys see it if you're watching this. Yeah, on YouTube. looks good. Uh, it does. Uh, it, it's trimmed up. You know, I like to keep a beard. I like to keep it long. Uh, and the awesome thing about this, um, it's literally, you know, I've been having a beard pretty much ever since I could, you know, since like 18, 19 years old, I've pretty much always had a beard uh, for most of my life and never found a great beard trimmer. But the awesome thing about this one, it is, um, uh, you can change the guard on it just with a click. You know, there's, yeah. there's just one piece to one it, guard. one guard to oh, it. Yeah. You know, I've bought other razors that have five different settings on there. This you one wind has... up breaking them. You wind up losing the guards or one fall. The teeth, if the, if the end tooth fault breaks off of one of your guards, you're screwed, man. Uh, God because forbid you're part, traveling yeah. and you got to like pack yeah. them on there. That, that's the incredible yeah. thing about this beard hedger. It's just clickable. You can change it. I keep it. I do it at the absolute longest one because I want to keep all the length on there. Or you can pop it off. You know, you got to trim the neck. You got everything off of there. I freaking love this thing. And it's one of their newest products. Uh, they're, they're new to the to the beard uh, game and to the to the uh, facial grooming game. You know, their standard is is the lawnmower to, to keep your Death Valley region clean. But uh, I mean, the beard hedger for me, that's where it's at. And uh, I know the other product you have loved, Travis, is those uh, is the boxer shorts, man. The, Dude. It's not just the electronics. It's not just the the creams and the sprays. They they got clothing as well. They do, man. These boxers are incredible, and like uh, they just they're just the right fit, good for you. Uh, they feel great. I actually wound up ordering some more. That they didn't seem. I mean, I paid for these. I'm so excited to get some more. I actually ordered and you two packs of six. I used the code Take Her Easy That's right. to get 20% off. Absolutely. So I've uh, ordered some. I've encouraged my buddies up here to order some too. They're great. They feel fantastic on you. Uh, it's like you're not even. They're not even there. It feels great. You just move around and <laughs> nothing there. So it's awesome. That's all the detail I'll go into. But it's fantastic. I do love them. They're just soft and they just feel wonderful. Absolutely. Oh, I was going to say about the uh, about the. Um, beard trimmer like i i don't i'm always baby face like you said because my wife doesn't like when i have facial hair because it's itchy or whatever you know kissing or snuggling or it's, it's itchy or she said i just can't keep it it doesn't look right on me i can't keep it groomed well now since i got this i told her i was like honey what do you think about try to grow it out i'll use the manscape stuff it'll be yeah. tight nice and fresh and she's like i think you should try it so i think you should give go. it a shot we might give it a shot now that i have some excellent the tools yeah, excellent tool to use to help keep it in shape. Well, you know, we want to encourage you to give all of your other grooming projects the last ride. We want to encourage you to toss them aside. Yeah. Head to manscaped.com. And, you know, if you're baby face like Travis, maybe you don't need the beard hedger. Maybe you need the performance package 4.0 that gets you the lawnmower, the weed whacker, the crop preserver, the crop reviver, the travel case, which is legit one of the nicest. Oh, yeah. Items so I've ever nice. owned in yeah. my entire life. Yeah. Uh, super really nice travel is. case, t-shirt, boxer shorts. It gets you all of that in the Performance Package 4.0. Look around on the website. Try something out. Give them a shot because you're getting 20% off and free shipping, which you just can't beat. 
manscaped.com. Use the code TAKEREASY, all one word, T-A-K-E-R-E-A-S-Y. TAKEREASY, 20% off, manscaped.com. And let us know. Send us a tweet. Send us a screenshot. Send us a message. Let us know that you use that code. You're supporting the show, and you're supporting the fine folks at Manscaped. Why don't you give them a shot, folks? Absolutely. Undertaker easy, Absolutely. 20% off. 20% off. Well, uh, they've brought us the uh, Undertaker sighting segment here tonight. Let's get into it, Travis, because uh, when we last left you, uh, we were getting prepared for the Royal Rumble. I know you know, by the time this is coming out, this seems like old news, but I, I think we ought to reference at least that the Undertaker's wife, Michelle McCool, had a pretty excellent showing at the 2023 Women's Royal Rumble. Uh, I really dug Ooh. her presentation, her coming out of the crowd with, boots. Uh, with, uh, with her kids there, so never been done i thought that was really uh really cute so i had about nine guys over watching the rumble that night it was awesome uh my kids watched it it was a fantastic night and um we were sitting there and during the women's rumble they show michelle mccool and trey who went to SummerSlam this SummerSlam with us he goes what if she got like what if she is in the match oh, we're really? like, ah, no and so then like when she gets yeah. called it was like Dang it, dude! I'm like, it was awesome. We were we were freaking out because that was pretty cool to see her. And yeah, I love that she just had the UGG boots on and like her just her regular wear. She wasn't like in her. She wasn't like Superman, you know, always yes. ready to go with her her outfit underneath. So that was pretty cool. And she lasted, I think it was like fifteen or twenty minutes or something in there. So she was in there for a good a good long haul. So I say this year, you know, as of this recording, they have not announced one Nothing. Hall of Fame no. person, and that is insane because it's in Hollywood. I say let's go, Michelle McCool. I think unquestionably. I think that was a good boost for her case right there. I think now would be the right time. Undertaker went in last year. Yep. He can be sitting in the crowd, uh, you know, watching the kids this year and sitting and watching her. I think oh, that would be, be awesome. Uh, he actually commented on her performance on Twitter. Said he was so proud of her. Great to see her get back in the ring. Uh, he also said it was a pleasure meeting at Hardy Music. He killed it with his performance. And, uh, you know, he watched something else. You can't, uh, not even the Undertaker can be right 100% of the time, right. you know, <laughs> swinging a miss. Stick with George Strait. <laughs> uh, he did have his one dead man show, Royal Rumble weekend. And, uh, of course, he's got some more lined up uh, throughout uh, the next few weeks, uh, heading into WrestleMania as well. I did. Yeah, we're, we're recording this before Elimination Chamber. So just to be, cause, yeah, he, he will have had another one yeah. in Montreal and then two, I think, for mm-hmm. Mania. I'm not mistaken. So yeah, awesome. I did read one little bit of a recap of the Royal Rumble one. Apparently, Michelle McCool came out and joined him for a little bit of it. Oh, and sweet. Uh, he also had some comments about his appearance at Raw 30, uh, which we're going to talk about here in just a second as well. Um, he talked about why he did the uh, Biker Taker character there and said he really felt like he kind of said goodbye to the dead man at... Uh, Survivor Series 2020, and then again yeah. at WrestleMania, he kind of laid it to rest. And he thinks, you know, from this point forward, you know, if he does make some more cameos, it'll probably be in the Biker Taker character. Awesome. Uh, you know, never say never that he might bring back the Dead Man, but uh, he just feels like it makes you know more sense, and he, and he wants to honor you know those farewells that he gave to the Dead Man. Yeah, um, and you know, lets him be a little bit more of himself now too. Now that he's showing that side of his personality, uh, so going forward, if we do see him, uh, it'll probably be in that fashion. Awesome, I love that. That's fan- I think it's a great idea. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, and then he had some uh, Undertaker had some interviews, some podcast interviews, things like that. He talked about. Uh, I'm trying to pull up my notes. I know I sent there's, it to you. Uh, there's one. Uh, 
they haven't released it as of this recording, but Ariel Hawani in- interviewed him for BT Sport. I know, and he said it's one of his favorite interviews he's ever done. But as of this recording, it's not released out in the yeah, public yet. So I'm looking forward that. to that. Um, now I think it was recorded before the end of the Royal Rumble. So um, he, you know, he talked about. I, I saw a snippet. He talked about how the Sami Zayn bloodline thing is the best thing in wrestling, um, which I agree with. Um, but uh, uh, it was before the the turn and the you know the chair shot her around the world. Well, he said something on there. I can't find uh, my <clears throat> screenshot of it, but he basically um, the the interviewer was asking him about what he said to Bray Wyatt. The you know oh, yeah. whisper he gave to him, and uh, the interviewer said that that Taker said something like, um, you know, I'm always there for you, man. You've got my number. You can call me whenever you need me. Uh, which I sent that to you, and we were like, oh, that's cool. Uh, I mean, that's uh, that makes a lot of sense for him to say that. Uh, and then he posted on somebody's comment on, on Instagram talking about that interview. He said, dude, you took me totally out of context. That's not at all what I said. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's going to be between me and Bray, but that's not exactly. what I said to him. <laughs> so uh, yeah. I, I feel like I was surprised to hear him to read about what he would have said. Cause I figured he probably would never reveal that. Exactly. Uh, and so it makes more sense that, uh, he's trying to keep that, you know, under the radar. Yeah. I, I, I think that's what's happening. I, I didn't believe that for one second when they're like, undertaker reveals what he said. I'm like, no, you misread that whole, whatever it was. And he's not going to, he's not going to say he it's knows like, how much uh, it means to Bray. Did you ever see lost in translation with, with Bill Murray and Scarlett Johansson back in the day? Probably. Kind of oh, ends. Yeah. He whispers. He whispers something, something in her yeah. ear, and, and we never know never about know. it. They've never yeah. talked about what it is, and I feel like that's what's going to be between Ray and Undertaker, man. That was the yeah. first thing I there thought of when that happened. <laughs> if we can bring Bill Murray this podcast, I'm I'm for we it. We haven't done enough of that, you know. <laughs> no, that's right. Uh, he's in the new Ant Man movie. Did you know that? Apparently, for yeah. about a few minutes. There you go. It's <laughs> enough. That's good. That's all you need. Uh, speaking of Bill Murray, not at all, but uh, Matt Hardy, the the Bill Murray, not really. (laughs) The extreme life of Matt Hardy. You ever listen to this podcast, Travis? Every now and then, I listen to it at one point five speed (laughs) while I'm driving somewhere. (laughs) If if I see a recap or something, that's a cool thing. What I do like um, when you sent me this link, you had told me about where it was. Well, the next day he put up just a snippet of this section, so I just Hmm. got to listen to that little eight minute section. Uh, only took me six and a half minutes, so I listened okay. to it on 1.5x. Well, <laughs> but, why don't you tell us about it then? Because he did an entire episode on his podcast uh, about The Undertaker. And uh, not to bash anybody's podcast, you know, they were they retweeted us, gave us the old Matt Hardy retweet yeah. uh, on Twitter. And, uh, you know, it just wasn't wasn't a lot of meat on the bone. I, I don't think our listeners yeah. necessarily need to listen to the whole thing. Um, it's not really a lot of new revelations in there. They just kind of talk about things that Matt Hardy was a fan about of Danny Taker throughout his career, but he did tell this story, which I had never heard about, man. Uh, Why don't you recap it? Talks about at Survivor Series 2005, I believe it was, when Undertaker comes back against Randy Orton. Is that when he kicks the, kicks the, you bust uh, out of caskets, bust out of caskets, flames. Yeah. So Matt Hardy was, um, he had just moved to SmackDown from his feud with, with edge on raw after he had gotten fired and came back still pretty hot, even though he lost that whole feud. Still pretty hot. Fans were all behind him. Moved to SmackDown, and he talks about how um, he was kind of not sure what they were doing with him, and he was still a little disgruntled because he hadn't really been doing much. But uh, at the end of the show, they're supposed to have all these guys in the ring and um, Taker's big comeback and everything. And uh, he said he had a conversation with Vince, and Vince told him, like, you don't have to 
take a choke slam or anything. We want you to save face, but we we want just just you know be surprised whatever it is and you know, give the reaction and then just powder out. But you don't need to take all the beatings from from uh, Taker. Like I think he beat up the Spanky and all all kinds the of guys. Gemini. Yeah, just you know, all kind of J-Brown. So, yeah. again, they, they were like, Matt Hardy's on a different level, those guys, so we wanted to be there, but not. And so, anyway, fast forward to the end of the show. Matt Hardy's down there in the ring with a bunch of guys and jobbers and re- regular guys, too. And, uh, anyway, Taker comes out. Well, when he actually re- appears and reveals himself, Matt Hardy doesn't really sell it. He admits, like, I was just kind of in a bad mood. I was like, why am I doing this? Like, what is this? This is so dumb. Like, I, I, I deserve better than this. So, he doesn't really sell it at all just kind of is there okay and then powders out doesn't take choke slam well anyway they get to the back and i think they're in watching it back or something or he walks back through and i think somebody fusses at him about it like, why didn't you sell and then i think it was the next day at catering taker walks up to him and says like hey what, what was going on last night and so they talk about it and um taker just says like okay well here's what's going to happen and so um I think JBL is the one that told Taker about it, of course. So JBL told Taker what <laughs> happened. The next day, Taker goes and talks to him. And then for the next, like, three months, he just basically jobs out and doesn't do a lot. And then uh, I think after um, the Royal Rumble kind of heading into WrestleMania, he kind of picks up some more steam. But he was like, you know, I paid my penance. He's like, they're yeah. right. Like, at the time, I was frustrated. Yeah. But, like, and John Beyond Alba it. interviewing him is like, you know, is that something that, you know, you were mad about it. He's like, no. He's like, I did the rookie thing. I was an idiot. He's like, that guy's a legend. I should have I should have done what I was told to do. I did not take the instructions and, and execute properly, you know. So I'm supposed to execute what my boss tells me to do, and I didn't, you know, and I, I have more respect for that guy. So he's like, you know, I don't blame him at all. And he's like, we did the right thing. And then later on, after like those three months were up or whatever, he said, take or talk to him. He's like, all right, we're good. And he's like, yeah. And they moved on. Like, yeah. So I just thought what an old school way to take it. That would never happen nowadays. Matt Hardy's if that were if Matt Hardy were some young guy now, he'd be on Twitter bashing it and this and that and the other and whatever, making these, you know, subtle tweets or this and that or asking for his release. But like he handled it like an adult. Like he is wrong. He was wrong to not give Taker that reaction. Yeah. Absolutely. That's what I enjoyed about it. Yeah. He really owned it and uh yeah. you know, he wasn't bitter about it. And, no. you know, he, he talked about it. he he deserved it. He deserved to get uh get viscera's uh little Yeah, that's right. <laughs> humping the big done to or whatever. Yeah. 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 Just like I, and uh, but it was it was interesting to hear him say he's like I think John Alba asked him, he's like, Do you think Undertaker like do you think he did that deliberately with Vince or was that something from the office? He says, Oh, I know Undertaker yeah, I know he talked to Vince and exactly. did that to me, uh, which is like that's not something you hear a lot of wrestlers talk about. It's something we speculated about a lot. Right. But it was interesting to hear him say that. But again, you know, he didn't say he was bitter about it. You know, he said, no. you know, I deserved it. You know, I I, I uh, was in a bad place mentally. I shouldn't have done that. And uh, you know, I took took it like a man. And that's probably yeah. why you know he didn't get fired or released from it. Exactly. And continued to have a great career after mm-hmm. getting buried for a couple months. Is that he? He knew, okay, I messed up. I got to eat crow for a little while. I, yeah. I got to eat, got to eat Viscera's finisher for a little while, <laughs> and then, and then uh, go about my business. But uh, yeah, yep. that's a cool story. If you if you want to, you know, just kind of fast forward to that. Uh, there's yeah, there's some other good snippets in there. You know, go check it out. It's a podcast dedicated to the Undertaker on Matt Hardy's podcast. Uh, but then the big news, man, the main event. We got to talk about this. 
24 years after his first Super Bowl commercial uh, in the WWE Super Bowl commercial back in 1999, The Undertaker came out of nowhere, this surprise Super Bowl commercial for DraftKings alongside a plethora of other stars like Kevin Hart and Tony Hawk and Ludacris. You're both Ludacris. Hey, I heard Kevin's taking the under. The under? Please. I know Undertaker. Hey. Dude, uh, did you see this coming? No, not at all. I did not see it coming at all. And I remember you sent it to me and I was like, what is what is going on in this world? Like, Kev, but it's been, him and Kevin Hart must have hit it off in the ice cold bath uh, <laughs> thing. So. <laughs> so maybe he's tight with uh, with old Rock, too. You know, the Rock and Kevin Hart are like best buds. So, Ooh, yeah. Um, yeah, that'd maybe be nice. Maybe be in the next yeah. Jumanji movie. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> Jumanji three with three eyes, oh, man. like the Wii with two eyes. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I did not see this coming at all. I did not expect to see Taker on a Super Bowl commercial, not in this year. There were some pictures on Twitter a couple months ago of yeah. all the celebrities on there, and people were wondering like, what the heck is this for? And I'd kind of forgotten about it, and then the commercial yeah, came out, uh, and it was like, okay, there you go. And uh, it's pretty cool because it just you know we say this a lot with a lot of things we cover on the undertaker sightings these days, it just really speaks to what a big star he is. You know, like I said, he's on there. The people who made this commercial are saying the undertaker has the same cultural cash as relevancy. Ludacris, Tony Hawk, Kevin Hart. I mean, those are household names. Like my mom probably knows who all those people are she knows who the undertaker is because of me but uh she probably knows who all those other people are too i mean and that's a big deal yeah they didn't go to rock austin cena you know they didn't go to them they went and rock probably would have done it because he's always with kevin they went to undertaker yeah maybe so that's pretty sweet you know one of three wrestlers on super bowl commercials this year yeah batista and cena were in commercials oh batista was too was well seeing... he as a preview for guardians of the galaxy oh yeah the guardians trailer. had one yeah and fast and nine and then brodus clay was in oh yeah too. that's right tyrus was in a commercial <laughs> for fox nation or something yeah so four wrestlers yeah dude and, Good and, deal. you know he really fits in with that crew undertaker batista and cena yeah, put tyrus right up there there you go baby somebody call his mama <laughs> yikes uh, anyway <laughs> Pretty cool, dude. Pretty wild that we're sitting here in 2023 talking about the Undertaker in a Super Bowl commercial. Again, just you, you, we can't predict the things that are going to come up here on this podcast. That's why we've kept it no. alive here uh, after we originally let it rest in peace. But uh, thanks again to Manscaped for sponsoring our Undertaker sightings segment here. Once again, don't forget manscaped.com, 20% off your order there and free shipping with the code TAKEREASY. Go give it a shot. Well, Travis, let's do it, man. Let's talk about the life and times of Paul Bearer. Uh, And we've got some notes that we've taken here. We're going to kind of give you a broad overview of his life, his career here. I'm sure there's going to be some stuff we leave out. But uh, I kind of used the special on Peacock called The Mortician uh, that came Mm. out uh, during The Undertaker's a 30 year celebration uh, back in 2020 sort of as a outline and to gather a lot of these facts, but a lot of this other stuff, you know, came from the internet as well, but that's kind of the, the baseline for a lot of this stuff. And he was born William Alvin Moody on April 10th, 1954 in Mobile, Alabama. And he talks about, uh, they, they have an archived interview 
with uh, with Paul Bear in the Mortician documentary about how he was obsessed with death from a young age. And he credits that to the Kennedy assassination happening uh, when he was a, a young kid. Uh, I know Randy Turco uh, is also obsessed with, with JFK, so I'm sure he'll appreciate that. But uh, he watched you know the funeral on TV and was obsessed with death from a young age and says uh, he, he kind of made himself to be a neighborhood funeral director and would always hold ceremonies for people's pets when they died in the neighborhood when he, whenever he was a kid. Um, so he had a pet cemetery. <laughs> He's the inspiration for that right there. There you go. <laughs> Uh, not only that, he was also obsessed with pro wrestling at a young age as well. Uh, he would hang out at the shows before uh, they happened, the local shows. Helped, he'd try to help put up the ring. He'd go take pictures around ringside. And Of course, he wanted to be a wrestler. He wrestled with his friends in the backyard. and He did become a wrestler. Uh, after enlisting in the Air Force and serving four years in the Air Force, he uh, took some training and started working for some indie promotions when he was off-duty. Uh, he actually had a wrestling license, which they have pictures of his actual wrestling yeah. license, uh, which uh, that's just such a great old school memento. The, the, those are things you literally used to have to have back then. Uh, licensed by the state and wrestled as Mr. X and uh, the Masked Embalmer, which sounds like a Dang. great creator wrestler. Some I should make on a <laughs> video game. WWE 2K23. We want to see the Masked Embalmer. I want to see it. What? I want to see it. Mr. X, how many guys do you think wrestled as Mr. X? I mean, there's probably That's the go-to, man. 497,000 wrestlers as Mr. X. Yep. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, yeah, then he's going to debut as a manager under the name Percival Pringle III in 1978, which means there are two more. <laughs> yeah, he was the third. Before him. Yeah. But, <laughs> But that, that, his... that's a great wrestling name because not only is the Percival Pringle just pompous and ridiculous, but adding the third on there is just yeah. a great touch. Like, give me a break with this guy. You just automatically yeah. hate him. You don't even have to yeah. see him. You just hear that no. name and you're like, I hate this guy. Exactly. It's like, uh, yeah, it just gives that arrogance about it. So it's it's really clever. Um, but after his first son's birth, he's going to pull out of the wrestling business and get a degree in mortuary science uh, and became became a certified embalmer, mortician, and was trying to look for a more steady job because, you know, the wrestling business wasn't, you know, they feed you with a hot dog and a napkin, basically, and a handshake. If you're so, lucky, uh, you got a napkin. Yeah, if you're lucky. You, you usually <laughs> had to use your, your shirt or your mask. Yeah. <laughs> Wipe the so, mustard off. And, uh, yeah, and, um, yeah, well, if you're looking for a steady job, what, what better place to get a job than as a mortician? Because guess what? Everybody dies. You're always in business. That's what uh, yeah. my, my mother-in-law is a funeral director. She's worked at a funeral home for 30 years and it's a, it's a lucrative business. They make good money there uh, because they're never short of work. You know, uh, it's, it's recession proof. It really yeah. is, man. And, and, it, and you it, don't ever see like, Oh, this, this funeral home is going out of business. It doesn't like, happen. No, they're all, <laughs> I never thought of it that way. I, I mean, we've talked about it, you know, and uh, it's not for everybody. I, I certainly right. couldn't do sure. it, but I, you know, I mean, the, really though, they, they do provide a very important service, and uh, you know, it's a she, she sees it as a ministry. You know, you know, you, you're you're really helping families in their worst times. But business wise, you know, business is always good at the <laughs> in the mortuary <laughs> business. You never had a business. Uh, 
Well, he did that quite a bit, and uh, for after a few years in 1985, you know, he just couldn't put that love of wrestling away. Kept, I get it. Kept getting drawn back into it, and this is where he really got his big break uh, in championship wrestling from Florida and in world class championship wrestling in Texas. Mr. Mercer, Mr. Chris Adams is a habitual liar. He's running around telling lies, and world class wrestling ain't doing nothing but backing him up. One thing they wouldn't do for me. Chris Adams is giving title matches to other people. He's giving matches to Japanese people. He's giving matches to other people. But we should be the one, number one in line. And one more thing is Gary Hart. I want you people to realize, I want you to understand. Now, he doesn't like you. That I don't care about anybody unless they are in the Pringle dynasty. Uh -huh. As far as Gary Hart's concerned, the magazines are putting out pictures, Gary Hart's picture right next to Percy Pringle's picture. I'll tell you what I think about Gary Hart. Gary Hart means nothing to me. There's Gary Hart. I don't care who you are. If you're not the Pringle Dynasty, you don't mean a thing at all. That goes for you too, Mercer. All right, now, now, you said I didn't like you. That's not true. But I got some fan mail from Mobile, Alabama. I'm sure you Your did. Because that's my hometown, WPMI. Channel 15 in Mobile. Yes, and they sir. said, please quit mentioning that you were from Mobile because you were giving the city a bad name. That's some more of your stuff, Mercer. Oh, I'm sick and tired of you, just like I'm sick and tired of these people. You're going to see something new in the Pringle Dynasty, brother. Rick Rude, Jolidu, and there's no telling what other surprises I have in store for you. Gerhardt, get out of my way. Mobile, I love you. And they don't love you. Come back, see us in six months, Percy. Yeah. Huh? Okay. And what a murderer's row, you know, mm. talking about the mortuary industry, but listen to this lineup of people that he managed back during this time in the 80s rick rude who was a what? close close friend of his mick foley stunning steve austin lex luger who uh, i believe he said he managed in his very first match uh matt born wow. uh, a legend doink, doink the clown <laughs> yeah. and uh, a little kid named texas red who wrestled under a hood uh real, real sure. name mark calloway <laughs> yeah. uh you know would go on to do a few things which you know I mean, not only is that an incredible lineup, but a bunch of guys that he would go on to have such ridiculous history with. I yeah. mean, you can't write this stuff, dude. It's it's honestly crazy uh, how much of like a movie his life sounds like. It really because is. Because just it's wild. Yeah, and that that right there, that list you just said, those are all. I mean, surefire Hall of Famers, you know. I don't know if they'll I mean Matt Bourne, that character Doink should be in the Hall of Fame. I oh, always yeah. joke about Coco Beware, but Doink, uh, dude, if you were a kid in the 90s or uh, you knew who Doink was, you know. So Yeah. It's just awesome. Yeah, it's just uh, anyway, it's crazy, but yeah, then Rick Rude again is a friend of his. He puts in a good word for Percy Pringle to come to the WWF at the time. So, uh Road Warrior Hawk is the one who apparently came up with the name Paul Bear. So <laughs> right. Thank uh, you Hawk. Love that pun and he just like did when did you realize that Paul Bear was a pun? Cuz as a kid I had no idea. I had no idea. I think my brother had to finally tell me like years later like it's a Paul Bearer like <laughs> Like, what does that mean? Like, at a funeral, the guy that cares. I'm like, I don't, I'm like six. I don't like exactly. this when I first like had watched. It. Like, I don't know what you're talking about, you know. So yeah, I was probably ten or twelve by the time I saw it, and he's like, Paul Bearer. Like, it's a Paul Bearer. Like, yeah. Well, it's and you know, Vince loves a good like name, especially in those <laughs> days. He did, but like that one could be an actual name, you know, like like Irwin R. Scheister, not real, not even close. You know, Isaac Yankum, not close, but like 
Paul Bear could be a real name. Yeah. Well, we're going to talk about this when he when he makes his debut. Vince is on commentary, and when he says the name for the first time, Vince just does this oh this groan on commentary, <laughs> which is funny because you know he it's his he dream. loves it, but like yeah. he's act, acting like it's so ridiculous. But Vince loves just like bad humor too. Um, well, when he comes to WWF, you know his look as Percy Pringle. He's got this bleach blonde hair. He said yeah. he's he said he's trying to look like Bobby Heenan in the Mortician documentary. Bobby Heenan was like his idol, who he tried to imitate, no emulate. Uh, well, WWE, WWF, when they wanted to align him with the Undertaker here, they wanted to give the Undertaker this manager. They said, "Well, you can't have bleach blonde hair. We could dye your hair black, do this makeup, look like Gomez Adams, basically." And he said that was the hardest thing for him to do. He was so attached to his hair. But uh, when the first check came in and he, he saw the numbers on that check, he said, it didn't really, I didn't, never really thought about it again after that. Yeah. <laughs> never oh, mind. Not worried about it. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Well, he makes his debut in the WWF pretty close to us, man. Uh, you know, we're both originally from Augusta, Georgia. He makes his debut on January 28, 1991 in Macon. Georgia. Weird to think about WWF running TV in Macon, Georgia, but there you go. Yeah, that's WCW country. That's crazy. He made his debut on the Brother Love show. Of course, we all know, listen to this podcast, Brother Love was the man who brought The Undertaker into the World Wrestling Federation, his original manager. But Brother Love here says The Undertaker, he requires love 24 hours a day. And that uh, he's just a little too busy to give him that sort of management he deserves. So he presents to us Brother Bearer. And uh, like I say, you hear Vince groan on commentary. But I mean, he is already just 100% into this character yeah. from, from moment one, second one on TV. It's wild because he is so the Paul Bearer is so different than Percy Pringle, which yes. 
I for years I'd never seen any Percy Pringle footage, right. but nowadays you can find it pretty easily, and it's just so crazy what a big difference, what a big switch that was, and tells you how talented a performer he was that he was able to make that shift. Oh yeah, exactly. Because some guys when they switch characters or whatever, you just like okay, that's Lord Tensai's just Albert again with with uh, you know stick on henna tattoos or whatever. It's like. <laughs> Like he really got he like method acted here, dude. Like he went Christian Bale or like Daniel Day Lewis on us, and he like got into a whole new character. And like like you said, he was in it from the second he appeared on screen, just like the Undertaker was at his debut. Like he was in it, he was set in that role, which is so much different than the guy we saw wrestle in Japan or Booger Red or Texas Red or whatever Texas Roadhouse, whatever his name was. All those names he had, you know. Uh, Mark, me, Mark Callis, like the Undertaker was so different. So both of them just committed to this Vince McMahon creation and went all in with it. And thank God, because it paid off and it paid very well. <laughs> I, I'm so glad you said that because I wanted to bring that up too. Like, I think that's why this works so well is you've got two guys that are 100% committed yeah. to something that is on paper absolutely ridiculous and absurd <laughs> and should not work. But yeah. The fact that both of them are in it 100% give themselves over to it and understand that the only way this is going to work is if we do like commit 100%. We're in character on screen. We're in character when we walk out of the building and they both love doing it and both um, just benefited from each other uh, in that way. Um, and, and, and I think it was... So cool. You know, Brother Love and Undertaker just didn't click in that same way. And I'm so glad they made that change early on and recognized that. Uh, it really made Taker stand out to have his yeah. own personal manager. You know, you could have put him with Bobby Heenan or Jimmy Hart or Mr. Fuji, whatever, but it really made him special that he's not just in these other guys' stables. He's got his no. own personal manager. That's a great point, you know, because, yeah, like I said, back then, a lot of guys. It was a manager. For Every a whole, heel had a manager. Yeah, they all had it, but it was like one one manager for a whole group of them. So yeah, very very cool. Set him apart. Um, well, he's going to make his first pay per view appearance with the Undertaker at WrestleMania Seven on March twenty fourth, nineteen ninety one. Going to help guide Taker to victory over Jimmy Snuka there uh, in his first victory there. So yeah, then he's going to go on and debut just a gem of a show. Uh, the Funeral Parlor. That's going to debut on Superstars at the end of March. So just six days after WrestleMania. Yeah, that's the first time we see The Funeral Parlor. It's your you know, your standard Piper's Pit interview segment. We've seen countless of them throughout the years. There are a dime a dozen in WWF. Uh, but yeah, The Funeral some Parlor... Some work, some don't. Yeah, The Funeral Parlor worked. It stood out. It shows you how confident they were with Paul Bearer that just a couple months into his run, they're giving him this segment mm -hmm. that he's got to carry on the mic. Uh, he's doing mm -hmm. angles with Undertaker, but he's also doing other angles on there and having other guests on there as well. He gives me the creeps. Unquestionably, one of the uh, great 
actually competitors in the WWF. Oh, Mr. Shyster, it's always a pleasure to have you in my corner. The last time we were together, we talked about death and taxes. You know, come to think about it, even in death, you can't escape the tax man because they tax your estate. After you're gone, right? Even death is no excuse not to pay your taxes. Oh, some people say they're taxed to death. <laughs> A lot of memorable stuff in the funeral parlor through the years, from uh, "Take Your Locking," "Ultimate Warrior," uh, in the in the casket, uh, Jake the Snake turned the yep. tide on Taker and, and locked his hand in the casket one time. Uh, you had a lot of stuff with Flair and Hogan and Taker on the funeral par- parlor. Again, just uh, really setting uh, Taker apart, setting Bearer apart, and, and making them feel special, feel like stars. Yeah, but speaking of them being stars, uh, he's going to be on with some high-profile superstars at this point. Regis and Kathy Lee, Taker and Paul Bear are going to be on. Not man, we can laugh about that now, but that's like that was big deal back then, man. It's huge. If you weren't around back then, I don't think you can. We can like really put over like what a big deal that was. Like, well, there's that show was important. Yeah, there are so many morning shows now because there's so many networks and so many streamings this and streaming that. But back then, that was like the morning show, you know, live with Regis and Kathy Lee. And it, they were on there before the Survivor Series and uh, Royal Rumble 94. So just making multiple appearances on there. So good times. And yeah, like I said, this puts them into a different echelon of like, you know, superstardom, honestly. And he's... They're not really there that far into their career. No, no, yeah. Yeah. And Regis loved wrestling. He was at WrestleMania 7, had a yeah. segment with Undertaker and Paul Bearer. Yeah. He was getting measured for his casket there at WrestleMania 7. But, yeah, like, you know, the, we've talked about Undertaker being on Hot Ones and on Sneaker Shopping. Like, honestly, I think those shows are more important now than talk shows on TV, yeah. like YouTube shows like that. Uh, that's kind of like the level, I would say, that like Regis and Kathy Lee was. I mean, they would have Michael Keaton on, you know, promoting Batman, you yeah. know, the same episode that Undertaker would be on there. Like, that's the kind of celebrities and stars oh, yeah. that they would have on there. So, yeah, it's a huge deal for Undertaker and Paul Bear to be on Regis and Kathy Lee. And it, you can find these segments in on character. YouTube in character. They're quite funny. But there are some mystical powers when the Undertaker is down and not doing so well. You sometimes hold the urn up to his face and give him the strength to overcome his adversary. The power of the Undertaker is inside the urn! <laughs> Shall we? Now, now that's, that's a substantial mustache. <laughs> Have a seat, Paul. Maybe LaLucci could do a love scene with you. Yes. Like, Kathy, Regis is taking it seriously. Kathy Lee's kind of joking. She's, like, pulling faces at Paul Bear. But Paul Bear is just going 100% along yeah. with it, just, like, making faces back at her. Uh, and, and he's, you know, in character, just improving and, like, going along with whatever he says. It's, it's pretty incredible to watch. Oh, yeah, no doubt. 
Well, of course, Paul Bear leads Undertaker to the WWF Championship Survivor Series 91. It has that brief title reign there, but Paul Bear got a great track record. Already got a WWF Championship yeah. uh, under his fold. And, you know, they have this incredible run as heels throughout 91. But I, I honestly think Paul Bearer came into his own when the Undertaker became a babyface, uh, which you wouldn't think would be the case because managers and babyfaces don't really go along together. You know, having a manager is more of a heel thing. You know, there's oh, yeah. time, you know, Macho Man had Miss Elizabeth and, you know, that worked. And there's, there's random instances where that worked, but it's definitely more of a heel thing. But I think having Bearer stay along with Undertaker, even when he's a babyface, clicked for Undertaker. And I really think it's because the Undertaker character worked so well back then because he was a man of few words. Yeah. Didn't want him having these promos. Let me no. tell you something, brother, uh, with, yeah. with Mean Gene or anything <laughs> like that. But to have Bearer along talking to him in the high, squeaky voice. Yeah. And Undertaker could finish it off with a rest in peace at the end. It was a great dichotomy. And boy, you could just tell how much fun Paul Bearer was having when he got to become That's, a babyface yeah. as well. That's it, man. When we talked about that endlessly on this podcast, just seeing how much we had fun watching him have fun, like going back and revisiting stuff, like just seeing how over the top, but like he knew where to draw the line for his character. He wasn't just over the top for the sake of being that way. Like some, like Johnny Fairplay or something, you know, he was, uh, he was there like knew when to to reel it in, but like he was having a blast, dude, having a blast, which makes us, the fans, whether we're kids, teenagers, adults, have fun vicariously through him. So he really helped a lot. Um, just love it. He truly was having fun. He got, got to have some big moments. Uh, SummerSlam 93, I think, stands out because he gets beat up during the summertime of 93. And we see the urn stolen for the very yep. first time. We, we didn't even talk about the urn. We got we got to mention the importance of the urn. Um, he talks in the mortician documentary about how his Percy Pringle, he used to have a cane with him. They came down to the ring with and managers baby, back then, baby cane, not a baby cane, but <laughs> maybe it was a nod to that, to his son sitting at home managers, Burning. you know, back then they'd always have a signature item. They would carry yeah. around. Paul E. Dangerously had the phone. Jim Cornette had the tennis racket of course that you could cheat with and hit your opponent with Percy Pringle had a cane and he, he said when he first came out as Paul Bear the first few times he kind of felt naked not having something in something. his hands and it just clicked what about an urn I'm, I'm the funeral director I'm Paul Bear why not carry an urn around and just that simple idea ends up having just this tremendous impact because not only is it a weapon that he carries around it gains this whole mythology yeah uh, surrounding it as he uses it to empower the undertaker with his mysterious forces exactly and then it can become like in a movie the MacGuffin, the thing you do get stolen or you're chasing or whatever. it's it's part of the story it becomes part of well ways to tell stories you know which again that's all wrestling is actually about it's storytelling forget about the matches and the physicality it's the story well, yeah, you can tell, like you talk about the first time. So it's been almost three years Taker's been around. And the first time it gets stolen is the summer of 93. So, and then that will, you know, you could overdo it. It does get taken. They, they did. Sometimes it's like, they did. a story for this, uh, this uh, angle with they, oh, this is my still the urn or whatever. Like, so it does get overplayed a little bit, but it's always there to go to if you need, if you need it, you know? So, but um, yeah, like you said, he doesn't come out with Taker at the beginning of that match. 
But then uh, when he comes back out about halfway through, just a huge pop from the crowd. They love it. He attacks Harvey Whippleman, which I'm always a fan of. Anybody attacking Harvey <laughs> Whippleman takes the earn back to a big pop from the crowd. So, yeah, that's just another thing. It's, it's about moments. Wrestling is about storytelling and moments. Yes, you remember matches, but you remember moments more. You know, I guarantee you have your favorite match, but you have your fa- you have more favorite moments. And Paul Bear provided so many of those for The Undertaker. So many, including throughout 1994, even when The Undertaker is not around, you know, we see him ascend into the heavens at Royal Rumble 94. But, you know, going back and watching the TV from back then, uh, which I, you know, I've watched all the superstars that they put on Peacock from 94. Uh, Paul Bear is remains on TV throughout a lot yeah. of 94. He's cutting promos. He's doing segments. He's really keeping the Undertaker character alive on TV. He's promising that he's looking for the Undertaker. He's going to find him. It's all story. It's all story. He helps sell the big Undertaker versus Underfaker match. Mm-hmm. And again, they just put so much trust and confidence in Paul Bear. I guarantee you not a word of it was scripted beforehand. But Paul Bear, right. uh, the man, William Moody, was just so in touch with this character, Paul Bearer, that he could just do it without a script with just, you know, a little bit of guidance about what the story yeah. was supposed to be. Go out there and just nail it in one take. Oh, yeah. He doesn't need a lot of uh, coaxing. He's really good at it. And um, so he becomes so theatrical in 94, 95. He's got this giant urn that he got. I mean, I don't know who's in there. Yokozuna and his whole family. It's a lot of people. The whole bloodline is in there. The whole bloodline, yeah. And uh, we got Mr. Bear's opus where he's just conducting things out into the crowd. It's just amazing. He looks at his own reflection in it. He's looking at it, and you can see it. It's it's just, golly, it's amazing. And those are the things I have such a good memory laughing about when we went back and covered all that stuff in the, on the show. It's stuff I took for granted as a kid yes. and stuff I didn't realize so much. Uh, but then, you know, going back and watching it back, you notice it and you see it and you pay attention to it. I, again, so effortless from him. Um, he's being used all the time. He, he uh, He's the host of a of one of those classic Coliseum videos. Paul Bear's Hits from the Crypt. Uh, my notes, I put late 1944. Uh, I believe it came yeah. out in 1994. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> and he gets his own action figure for the very first time. It's not one of these i don't have his first action figure i need to go back and get it but it's one of the bendums did you uh did you have any of the bendums travis i don't think so okay. i had uh what's the, the is it the lj what's one is the jake the snake that had the arm that that's the hasbro out? the hasbro yeah i had the hasbro i had a couple of the hasbros well the bendums... My, the reason i got jake the snake was for the actual snake yes that toy was Im- amazing i think my brother still has the snake at his house Ooh. um i have to see that's worth some money the actual snake yeah. that comes with it. Uh, I don't have the snake. I just have the figure. I don't know where the snake is, but uh, 
And the Bendhams were like little rubber ones. That's they right. They were not that great. I've got I've got his two Jacks uh, uh, figures right here, uh, representing the duality of Paul Bearer right here. But that was his very first one. He has the Bendham, um, and then the next pivotal moment of Paul Bearer's career really comes at SummerSlam 1996, where he turns heel on the Undertaker in the Boiler Room Brawl. Undertaker is about to win the match. He's asking for the urn and the classic Shakespeare pose from, from Paul Bearer. And Paul Bearer hesitates to give it to him and then smashes the urn on the Undertaker's head. And, dude, you just never, ever thought you would see this coming. You never thought Paul Bearer could separate from the Undertaker. These two guys are tied to each other, which is, I think, what made it such a great moment because you could have never predicted it happening right a lot of turns you see coming whether it's between you know you know friends or tag team partners or uh, you know elizabeth and and macho man or whatever you know you see this kind of stuff the seeds get planted along the way and then you get to pay like nowadays Sami Zayn and roman and all that kind of stuff which we don't know how it plays out at, at elimination chamber but anyway you can see you're anticipating that stuff yeah here this was just straight out of left field, honestly. But it wasn't like a Russo swerve that's just like out of left field for no reason. And then we're going to make up a story. There's a story to be told here with mankind. So that's what makes this such a big turn. Like you said, it's so unexpected. It's so just you did not see it coming. But then it's not just a swerve for swerve's sake. They're going to build this mankind character up, bring Vader into the fold, do all this stuff. You bring – somebody else into the fold and <laughs> it's just uh it's gonna be in the, yeah you never thought you'd see them apart which makes you want to see them back together again even more in the future you know so i love that and uh i just think it's interesting timeline wise too this happens in august of 1996 and this is pretty famous heel turn as well in WCW in July of 1996 mm -hmm. that you also would never see coming where, right. where Hulk Hogan joined the NWO. And yeah. I'm not at all saying WWF was trying to copy right. WCW, but it is, I think it's just really funny how mm -hmm. that worked out to just people. You would never ever right. in a million years thought could possibly turn heel to guys. You just thought were baby faces forever and Hulk Hogan and Paul Bearer, and you know, within thirty days of each other, they're they're both heels yeah. <laughs> in their own separate companies. That's um, crazy. Paul tries to get over his new catchphrase: "I'm Paul Bearer, and you're not." Uh, pulling a little Chevy Chase there uh, didn't really stick, but yeah. he did say that a bit during this time. Um, and like you said, he aligns himself with mankind, and uh, he guides him to not the championship, but he guides him to a main event. Immediately, he's in that mind mm -hmm. games match with Shawn Michaels. That awesome match, uh, just shortly after this. And I do think, man, this this version of Bearer separating from Undertaker really solidified him as a legend because the the typical roadmap for something like this for a guy who's just so tied to one character, you might think. Okay, Paul Bearer goes and manages another guy. He's going to lead him against Undertaker for maybe three months or something like that. They have the big blow-off. Taker gives him a tombstone, throws him in the casket. We never hear from Paul Bearer again. Yeah. Uh, but that's not how it worked out. You know, Paul right. Bearer is so good. you got to keep using him. He's got legs. Um, he keeps the character alive, even apart from the Undertaker. Uh, he's bringing different guys against the Undertaker, like you said. One of them 
we got to mention Paul Bear managed the executioner, uh, mm. the legendary Terry Gordy in a not so legendary role in 1996. Uh, not a great addition to his stable, but uh, you mentioned he brings Vader into the fold around Royal Rumble 97, and it definitely gives Vader a boost as far as the WWF yeah. goes. Vader was dead after that Shawn Michaels feud. So um, having Paul Bear with him helps give him a little bit of a, a breath of fresh air and, you know, change of course. And uh, again, putting him in there with another big old piece of meat like Taker is not <laughs> hurt at all either, you know? So, um, and then uh, after that, the next big moment is going to be in April 97 when Taker is going to throw a fireball at Paul Bear at In Your House Revenge of the Taker. So, that's pretty big to throw a fireball at your former manager, you know? Yeah. Um, and then next time we're going to see bear, his face is all bandaged up and he's started to let his blonde hair come back in, you know, and he's clean shaven. He's talking more of his Percy Pringle voice and not quite as high and everything as he was, but uh, letting some of that little falsetto and that trill go out of his voice. So getting to be again, but it's the same character. He's not changing. He's just, Got shot with the fireball, so now there's a, there's a reason for these changes he's going to make. So I love it. Yeah, the fire burned all the dye out of his hair and, and exactly. burned his mustache off somehow. I'm not sure how all that worked, but um, it, it's funny once you've not a dermatologist. S- no, I, I I don't know how it works. Once you've seen that Percy Pringle footage, you really see how much of it comes out in this '97 yeah. heel run of Paul Bear. It's really cool to see. Um, this is just you know arguably his most famous angle and storyline here throughout the summer of 97. He kind of reunites with Undertaker uh, as Undertaker is the champion and manages him for a few weeks because he's vowing to reveal a deep, dark secret about the Undertaker if he doesn't let him manage him. And finally, Undertaker can't take it anymore. He's about to beat up Paul Bear on Monday Night Raw and Paul Bear screams out that Kane is alive! Kane is alive! watching on tv like what is he talking about who is Kane? what does all this mean and that leads us to just this incredible summer of 1997 paul bear just makes this angle work when it absolutely should not have man he does because again this Kane character is not talking he's not so he's not even seen for months well well, yeah that's true but i mean even when he does come he's not going to talk but yeah he's not seen so Taker has to have somebody to, to play against, and that's Paul Bear. Paul Bear is going to uh, drive the soap opera forward. You know, he's going to give come out here and give all his threats and everything, give these long stories and backstories week after week after week. And um, it's very different than what we were ever used to back then. You know, um, 
we still had soap operas, but it wasn't quite as soap. This is the most soap opera ish we've had in modern wrestling uh, at the time. And I remember you and I talking about that and how um, just when we covered this stuff early on in the podcast, just how we look at it now, it's like, golly, this is the most soap opera stuff. You got dead brothers, you got dead parents, you got people back from this, all stuff that you see on days of our lives or general hospital or whatever. Like, it really is. And so um, bear was, he's driving the story and he's right there. This is 97. You've got stone cold, USA versus Canada. DX is coming around. You know, Sean's doing his thing. It's crazy. Mr. McMahon's going to become a character in 97. It's just 97 is a wild year in the WWF. Uh, Bret Hart's stuff, shenanigans backstage in front and front. It's just, it's a wild thing. But in the middle of all that is Taker and his, you know, his former manager and this brother, Kane, or whoever it is, Kane is alive. So, and again, there's no Taker can't come out here and have these long promos by himself. He's got to have somebody to play off of, and Bear is the perfect foil there. And I think you you absolutely have to put it up there with Stone Cold's rise to the top, with the DX and USA versus Canada stuff. Yeah, as something that was getting people to tune in. Yes, week after week after week, as something that was helping to rebuild the WWF after it you know was nearly going out of business, going up against WCW and the NWO, as something that was getting hot and, and working there. I don't. I really don't think it even gets enough credit. Uh, I don't think either. In that time. But uh, it, it was awesome. It was so well done. Nobody in the history could do it like Paul Bearer could, could have gotten that story over because it was so different than everything else going on on TV. And that, of course, leads us to Bad Blood 1997. We see Kane's debut. Uh, we see Paul Bearer lead him out to the ring and have him destroy The Undertaker. And uh, Paul Bearer is, again, managing the rise of another character's uh, debut and an incredible rookie run for Kane. Uh, yeah. He's, he's going to go on to have the WWF Championship. Paul Bear is going to manage him to WWF Championship, even if it's only for 24 hours. He's going to manage him to there. And uh, gosh, Paul Bear and Kane were just gold together. Again, the Kane character doesn't speak. So you need yeah. and you need a pallbearer there to be able to put him over and to get the angles and the storylines across. And he does that so much, especially leading up to WrestleMania 1998, WrestleMania 14. Uh, I, we said this back when we covered it on the podcast uh, 25 years ago. This match was, but we said this: it does not get the credit it deserves uh, for selling that pay per view, right? Because I think I know for me as someone watching it. I wanted to see The Undertaker versus Kane just as much as I wanted to see Stone Cold, Mike Tyson, and Shawn Michaels in the main event. And I think a lot of other people felt the same way. Because this match was personal. The other matches are about championships or whatever it is, or dumpsters or whatever that. This match was personal between a brother and his long lost brother that he had burned in a fire or whatever. You know, it's all soap opera and it's all coming to a culmination here at WrestleMania. And yeah, I don't think it gets the credit it deserves either. And I don't know if we've seen another long soap opera. We've seen a lot of this kind of stuff kind of come and go and fail. But I think honestly, the bloodline storyline we got going on right now has been the closest to a long, long term storytelling soap opera has its ups and downs. And this is 24, 25 years ago. In 25 years, I can't think of one other storyline that was as long and drawn out and soap opera-ish. I really can't. That, 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 that's drawn people in, like Taker and Kane have. 
I mean, certainly not one that has a payoff that actually works. It's going to work. Exactly. That, you know, that we try for surprises. We try for mysteries and things like that. And so often in wrestling, you know, you've got a great buildup, you're hooked into it. And then the, the surprise, the payoff happens. And then it's just, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's over. Uh, then the bell ring, you know, right. <laughs> whatever. And, and not with Kane, not with Paul Bear. Uh, it's because Paul Bear helps put it over. Yeah. Uh, well, the mythology between Paul Bear and Kane, the Undertaker, continues to grow. Uh, we gotta, we gotta credit Vince Russo. You know, we we've all we've mm-hmm. long been uh, defenders of Vince Russo. We call him out when he deserves to be oh, called yeah. out, but uh, we try to give him credit where he deserves. He doesn't always get that uh, respect yep. that he deserves in the business. I but, understand why, but he does need respect for absolutely. the things he did. Yeah, and, and I'm sure he's a pivotal part of all this stuff. Uh, there's a segment on Raw where. Um, I, I remember watching this live as it happened. Jerry the King Lawler is getting ready to interview Paul Bearer backstage. They tease it, and then it's supposed to go to commercial, and the camera gets set down, but it keeps rolling. And we see Jerry Lawler and, and Paul Bearer sit down in the locker room, saying, all right, we got about three minutes here before we come back. They're just casually talking. Paul Bearer is looking for his drink or whatever. And you're sitting there watching it at home like, what's this, this real? This yeah. isn't supposed to be happening. Yeah, I, I, I'm seeing, I'm seeing something I'm not supposed to be seeing. Like it, when it first starts, of course, yeah. you, you realize as it goes on, this is, this is storyline. This is supposed to be happening. But at first, you're hooked in. Like, oh my gosh, the, the camera stop, didn't stop rolling. I'm, I'm seeing them talk out of character. What's happening? Yeah. And uh, Jerry, dirty old man Jerry Lawler is asking Paul Bear, "Is it true? Are, are you really Kane's father? Is is that really true?" And, and Paul's like blushing. He doesn't want to talk about it, but. He he tells Jerry, all right, you, you swear not to tell anybody. Um, you know, I was I was 19 years old. I I came home from the wrestling matches, back to the funeral home, and and there was Undertaker's mom. She was just sitting there in a teddy, just just begging for me. And uh, he's like, I, I I've never been with a woman before. Uh, <laughs> I was an apprentice at the funeral home tonight. I went out one Tuesday night to the wrestling matches like I always did with my friends. Had a few beers. Coming to the funeral home, and there she was in this little teddy outfit. <laughs> I, I, I've never been don't tell nobody I've never been with a woman before at that point I, I wasn't fat like I am now either in fact Gary I was kind of studly oh really yeah, right yeah, I, I was well, anyway I come through the door and she took me right there right there where was it on the embalming table or something no 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 on the kitchen floor oh no <laughs> yeah at the kitchen floor of the funeral Slips the salami to the Undertaker's in mother the, on the kitchen in floor. In the kitchen of the apartment of the funeral. You swear to God. I, I swear. It's, it's the gospel truth. That's the way it happened. She took me, an innocent 19-year-old boy. That's why I lost my virginity right now. <laughs> it's true. It's Paul Bearer buries his baloney in the Undertaker's mother. She was a moaning and a groaning and a screaming, and I heard some little feet coming down the stairs. Uh, it's a good thing I got up. Because it was Little Taker coming down the stairs. I stopped him just in time. It did it took two more steps. He had seen his mama's feet. One of them was in New York and the other one was in LA. Can you imagine? If Little Undertaker had come in and seen Paul Bearer and his mother bumping uglies. Yikes. And then they cut back from commercial and Jerry Lawler's just got his head down. He's like apologizing uh, for people having to see that. It's so well yeah. done. Uh, so different. But it oh, also. Yeah it establishes something new that Paul Bearer uh-huh. is Kane's father. Yep. It's crazy, man. So yeah, adding another piece into this, uh, 
this soap opera. I almost said soup opera. So <laughs> adding another ingredient to the soup of the soap opera. <laughs> you were thinking so, about um, the salami right there. Apparently. You had food on your mind. Um, Apparently. Um, so after all this drama, we get more – again, they're not called the Bros of Destruction yet, but we, that's what they'll become. But we get more drama for them all through 98. Are they together? Are they not together? They're working against Austin. They're working for Vince. Are they not? Are they in cahoots? Cahoots. Cahoots. That was the word. That's, yeah. That's going to lead us. Uh, Paul Bear's going to be reunited with Taker at Survivor Series 98, which is then going to roll into the Ministry of Darkness. And Paul's a big part of this storyline again, which, again, puts Taker and Paul at the center of the main attraction there. Again, we, we talk, he's always there. He's always there. Always there in the main event scene. You know, Austin versus Rock gets all the credit. It gets, you know, as it, it gets, it should get a lot of credit. Yeah. Uh, but people think of that as like the signature feud and storyline of the Attitude Era. Dude, you go back and watch the TV you go back and look at the majority of the pay-per-views. Maybe it didn't happen at WrestleMania, but Austin versus Undertaker, mm-hmm. especially the Ministry of Darkness, that, 98, 99, that yeah. is the feud that defines yes. 1998 and 1999. That is the feud that carries the majority yes. of the shows. Not Austin versus Rock. Not Austin no. versus DX. Not Austin versus anybody else. Not I mean, Austin versus McMahon, yes, but Austin versus Undertaker... And the Ministry of Darkness and Paul Bearer, that's mm-hmm. all intertwined in all of that. So you got to yeah, put absolutely. that over. And Paul Bearer is a huge part of that. A huge part of that Ministry of Darkness storyline. And because of that, he actually has his first and only match in WWE as part of this storyline. It takes place on an episode of Raw, May 10th, 1999. Paul Bearer versus The Big Show. I remember this. much of a match uh it is one bump from paul bear off a big boot and uh, it actually is technically a no contest big show doesn't even bother to pin undefeated. paul bear he's undefeated <laughs> he's winless but he's also undefeated that's fine <laughs> but this is that great no episode of raw like sean michaels is the commissioner at this time and he's just like he books all these ridiculous matches off yeah. his clipboard and stuff very fun episode of raw oh night. yeah that's why I remember this night like it was yesterday. It's just crazy to stuff. Again, it's about the moments. Like I don't remember like the actual in ring matches it took, but I remember the moments like like you said, Sean, I remember this big boot and everything. Just the storytelling that took place. But um well, that was his first match. His first ever video game appearance is gonna be WWF Attitude on July thirty first, nineteen ninety nine. He would Yeah, that was, that was a game, man. Did you play that I one? mean Yeah, oh yeah. It sucked. I played that one. It was not great. Yeah. It was um, one of the, it was like Warzone where you had you had to pause it every time you wanted to do a move and, and look up the move list. Check out the like, move set. Yeah. I had to do triangle, square, circle, R one, R two to do a uh, wrist. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was terrible. At the same time. Yeah, it was terrible. But kudos for Paul Bear being in it. He's also going to be in SmackDown one, two, and No Mercy. Mm. Uh, and again, No Mercy doesn't get any better than that. But untouchable. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So. 
Uh, of course, he's in many of the like the THQ and uh, whatever they are now, whatever they have. Uh, now 2K, he's in a lot of the modern sports. games. Yeah. Uh, well, he's going to take a break kind of in 1999, around the same time Undertaker takes a break in 99 when he goes off before becoming the American Badass. And uh, he's actually going to come back, not with the Undertaker, but with his son, Kane, in February of 2000. And I had forgotten that he comes back on this night until I was doing the research for this. But I, I know you remember this, Raw, Travis. It's oh, main it evented is, yeah. this 10-man tag match with Triple H and the Radicals uh, against Rock... Cactus Jack, Rikishi, and Too Cool, which is like one of the best Raw main events of all time. Oh, yeah. One of the best Raw crowds of all time. Yeah. And uh, Kane comes out, makes a big return with Paul Bearer to yeah. save the day and wrecks Triple H and the Radicals and DX. And the crowd is just on fire for this, man. Oh, uh, yeah. If you haven't watched it in a while, look it up on YouTube and check it out. It is so, so good. Yeah, it's what a great night, and I've forgotten that that's a night Kane and Barry came back too. So yeah, what a, what an epic night, man! So good. It was awesome. So um, WrestleMania 2000, he was there. Uh, Kane and Rikishi defeat Xbox and Road Dog, and we see Kane give Pete Rose a choke slam, and then Paul Bear does a little gives him a little little cross chop there. <laughs> he's having a blast. So, yeah, he loves. He's it. having so much fun. He's giving a hundred percent. Then he's gone on TV off TV after that, and. Um, he did work behind the scenes for a little while, but in 2002, I think he's finally gone from his contract or whatever. I don't think there's any bad terms. He just, right. they just didn't renew it and he just leaves. So yeah. And, and, and at that just... point, Taker was American BA and Kane was doing his different, uh, mass stuff and was about to be unmasked. So he wasn't really needed. Honestly, he wasn't really needed. Uh, I believe this is sort of the time that his, his weight is becoming a little bit out of control. Oh a little yeah. Bit unmanageable. Um, he also, his his wife Diana, I believe, was starting to get sick. You know, she suffered from breast cancer and and passed away. Uh, and uh, so there's a lot of things going on with Bear where he's going to be at home more. But uh, again, he's just he loves the wrestling business. He stays involved in it. He even makes a couple of appearances in TNA Total Nonstop Action. Uh, he debuts with them on their on their weekly pay per view number twenty four. So pretty early on in the days of twenty. Uh, TNA in 20, 2002 uh, and he tries to align with Sports Entertainment Extreme SEX with Vince Russo Sports Entertainment versus Traditional Wrestling I keep hearing that and hearing that and hearing that you know I've been, I've been coming here now for about three weeks and I really haven't made any kind of statement as to what my position is here mainly because I really don't know Mike you know I've got time on my hands uh, I'm, I'm coming around I'm Sitting back, and I'm looking around, watching, listening, waiting, smelling. There might even be some rats around here. I don't like. You never know what I'm going to do. Last week, you you found me down at ringside, you know, just out of the blue. You know why was I there? Because I wanted to be there. There's no telling what I'm going to do. You know me. I certainly do. I guess the natural question that I have for you is, can we expect to see Percy Pringle in a managerial role here in NWA TNA? I'm not gonna lie to you. You know, yeah. There's no telling. Like I said before, there's no telling what I'm gonna do, when I'm gonna do it, or where I'm gonna do it. Because if I told you, that would just ruin the tradition of Percival Pringle the Third, and that's who I am at heart. Percy, great to have you on board here with the National well, Wrestling Alliance. Don't say Alliance. that yet. I'm here, but I'm not on board yet. I, you know, I might have my boarding pass, but I'm not on the ship yet. But I might be. <laughs> 
never know. You never know. <laughs> He's part mm-hmm. of the uh, bizarre segment with Tony Schiavone uh, in TNA. So, uh, oh yeah, he's involved in some stuff there, but nothing super memorable or iconic. Uh, and that's just going to be a little placeholder until uh, I'd say one of the top moments of his entire career, which is something we were there for. Man, WrestleMania twenty. What do you remember about being there in person for that? I remember, I think you realized what was happening before I did, because it was like, ooh, we heard his voice through MSG, and you turned to me, and you're like, oh, and I was like, it took me a second, I was like, what, you're like, it's Paul Bear, and like, we were just like, I mean, little schoolgirls, we're jumping, because we know, (laughs) we know we're going to get Taker as a dead man comeback, that's expected. This was not expected. being on the rumor mill on the internet on the dirt sheets or anything um but if you're gonna have taker come back why not have paul bear how's it gonna work in 2020 in 2004 excuse me when it's a little bit more reality based you know how's this version of the dead man gonna work uh well turns out it works great but yeah i just remember you like realizing the the whoo first and i was like what and you're like it's bear and like we were just jumping it was so exciting to to hear that and realize it it, yeah, it really was unexpected. Like it, of course, in hindsight, yeah, of course you bring the dead man not? back. Yeah. Why not bring back Paul Bear? But that just never crossed my mind. Um, no, we we knew the dead man was coming back. It never yeah. crossed my mind to bring Paul Bear back, and yet it's so perfect. It really sold it. It really put over the return of the dead man and made yeah. it feel even more important that exactly. you have Paul Bear back. Um, he had been asked to return and initially said no. But uh, actually, because he was so ashamed of how out of shape he had gotten, you know, he was never, never quite as studly, uh, you know, nah. as he made you to believe. But he actually got his weight. Uh, he's, I think he says in the mortician he was at 525 pounds, which is, you know, extremely unhealthy, morbidly obese. Uh, oh, yeah. And he said, I, I can't be on TV like this. They, they show some emails that he has back and forth with JR where he's like, he says, I can't even talk to you, Jim. I'd be too emotional. I, I can't I can't even consider coming back at this point. And, you know, Vince McMahon stepped in and said, look, I, I don't care about you being on TV, but you need to get healthy. And we're going to pay yeah. for gastric bypass surgery. And Paul Bear talks about, you know, it saved his life. And look. This man is a complicated man. You know, he's got uh, plenty of issues that we could sit here and, and have a, a plenty of podcasts talking about all the terrible things about him. But he's also a guy who, you know, would do that for someone that he loved and cared yeah. about just completely selflessly and completely mm-hmm. say um, that they show his contract in that mortician documentary. And he got a signing bonus of thirty five thousand dollars that was supposed to be for this surgery to save his life. Uh, crazy. And that's just you know that's incredible. Oh yeah, it is. And uh, 
you know, sadly, it is going to take care of his life, but he's not, he's still not in ring shape and he can't make TVs and everything. So fortunately his career in WWFE is going to basically go by the wayside during the infamous concrete crit match, the great American <laughs> bash 2004. So he's going to get buried alive underneath the uh, concrete. And the less we talk about that, the better. I actually re- recently listened to our episode covering that just kind of randomly uh, threw that one on while I was walking the dog or something like that. And boy, it is, it is insane. And, and, and Paul, kudos to Paul bear selling yeah. it and, and trying to get it over. He did his best with it. Uh, it's going to be the first uh, of many times that we see him uh, die on screen, right. get, get killed off on screen. He's going to become sort of the uh, Kenny from South Park of, exactly. of WWE television here for a little while. But yeah, short-lived run. He, he goes off TV. Undertaker buries him in concrete. But he's actually going to stay involved in WWE. I didn't know this, man, but I, I found this in my research. Apparently... He, whenever WWE would come to Mobile, Alabama, or, or around there, he would come to the house shows, the TV tape things. They would bring him out. He would, you know, do something for the live crowd and stuff like that. Cool. Introduce the show, host the shows, things like that. And apparently, in January of 2007, he appeared at a SmackDown ECW co-branded taping and managed the Brothers of Destruction oh, that's in, in, awesome. in a dark match. And <laughs> I actually could not find any of the results that show what match it was, but Paul Bearer, William Moody, he talks about it on his blog, which um, I'll post a link to it on our social media. It, it still exists on the internet. He had a blog that he posted on regularly, like in the mid 2000s, all the way up until his death. That's awesome. Um, and he was like really ahead of the time. He would post, you know, his thoughts about wrestling, you know, his thoughts about uh, different things he was involved in. It's a really cool time capsule uh, to see that uh, there on the internet. And he has a picture of him, really grainy picture of him with Undertaker and Kane. So it definitely happened, but it's like not on the history of WWE or any of these other hmm. sites. Uh, but just kind of guessing based around the timeline and other matches that were happening, I imagine Undertaker and Kane probably defeated Mr. Kennedy in MVP because that was a common house Good. show match around that time. Uh, but just pretty cool that that uh, happened for the live crowd. Paul Bear managing yeah. the Brothers of Destruction. Pretty special, That's pretty awesome. unique. If you were there, I'll say Dude. it right now, earlier on in, in the show. Come if you on. were there that night, we want to hear from you. Mobile, Alabama, January 23rd, 07. We want to hear about it for sure. Well, something that that was a, a really high high, but something that's a low is that after that, his wife's going to pass away from breast cancer in 2009. She's only 47 years old. It's pretty young, man. That's only 10 years from now for us. It's crazy to think about. That's so, horrible. Um, horrible. Yeah. Um, but he's still going to stay in the wrestling business and do some uh, indie stuff, actually. You know, these guys can't ever hang it up, you know? He Even actually, if mortician. Yeah, no, like, he actually ran his own indie yeah. kind of in Alabama, but this one was for uh, NWA Championship Wrestling from Hollywood. Ooh. So he's going to manage Brian Cage and a young L.A. Knight. Well, I guess he wouldn't have been L.A. Knight at the time, but yeah. Uh, so yeah, there's a Undertaker connection for you. So How about that crazy. full circle coming in 2023? La Knight works with the Undertaker, and he ended up being one of the last guys ever managed by Paul Bear. It's crazy, man. He was known as Sean Ricker uh, during this time in his career, and of course he'd be Eli Drake and TNA and all that sort of stuff. And and actually, um, Max Dupree. 
Max Dupree, <laughs> briefly. Uh, we'll call him L.A. Knight. He faced yeah. Brian Cage, and they actually had a casket match, uh, tying into last month's episode, uh, the history of the casket match. They had a casket match in 2012, and uh, after uh, Bear passed away, uh, L.A. Knight won a Percy Pringle tribute tournament and won the Championship Wrestling from Hollywood Championship in May of 2013, dedicated to Percy Pringle. Sean Ricker has been carrying this company on his shoulders for the last two years. No doubt about it. If there's any man that has the shoulders to carry a company, it's these shoulders right here. Look at those biceps. Look at those pecs. Look at those abs. He is the man, without a doubt. And you know what, Sean? I've been thinking about this all evening. The red carpet rumble. Why don't you just take a little time off? Why don't you go to Disneyland or go to Disney World or or Knott's Berry Farm or wherever you want to go? Take some time off. And when you come back, <laughs> whose hand's going to be raised in victory? Not his, but his. Sean Rickenberg. Red carpet rumble. I'll take a little vacation before I'm going to need that R&R, but when it all comes down to it, red carpet rumble, you're looking at one choice for the Hollywood Heritage Champion, Daddy, and that's not an insult. That. Shut up, dummies. It's just a fact of life. Amen. Uh, he had an interview on the Chris Van Vliet podcast recently. Okay. Ago. Yeah, yeah. You know, he talked about how actually he was very close with bear and uh he a uh, bear actually left him some memorabilia and things when he passed away and uh man i really thought that was uh so uh so cool yeah, yeah i can't remember if he reaches back and grabs a picture or if chris just like flashes the picture on him. but we see a picture of him and paul bear together like on the like on the floor next to a ring it's really neat but yeah he had great things to say about him and uh just thought it was really cool man like what a connection you didn't think of you know like from yeah. taker like to la night it's just weird which probably means it probably meant a real a lot to him in real life to be in that segment with bray and taker now that we know this kind of stuff you know yeah you can tell because like he's kind of bless you <laughs> sorry i meant to mute it i didn't make it uh la night he's kind of you know halfway in character for this interview with chris van vliet but he kind of he even says like I'm gonna drop this for a minute and you know say like uh, how much this did mean to me and how close we really were. So it's it, it was it was cool and you can tell you know it still holds a very special place in his heart. And then well you know before we're talking about him post mortem, but before he does pass away, Paul Bear um, he's gonna come back in WWE in September of 2010 on 24th. This is on SmackDown for that final angle between Taker and Kane. Of course, this is where. Um, Kane has got the world championship and is going to defeat his brother three pay-per-views in a row, which yeah. is unheard of at the right. time, you know. Um, but he's going to come out, and Matt Stryker has a rare good line. He calls him <laughs> the father of destruction. So we uh, could crap on Matt Stryker's commentary for most of our lives, but he has a great call there. I dug that. I don't think he'd ever been called that before, but I, but I dug no. that. Um, he's going to turn on Undertaker at the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. And, yeah. um, you know, I, I remember talking about it back then. It, it, it's, 
it's it's a little sad to see he's struggling yeah. to get into the ring and the it, it takes such a long time to get this angle going where yeah. he pulls the lid off the urn shines the light in the undertaker's eyes you can tell you know, it means so much to Paul Bearer to be in there and, and he's doing his best, but you know, his, he's just facing those physical limitations. You know, he can't be the same guy that, that he once was. Uh, and you know, the thing that really disappointed me about this run and, you know, we're going to talk about his, his final run in 2012. We just didn't get enough promos from Bearer. Yeah. I mean, that's where he shines is the promos. And uh, I wish they would have given us a little bit more of that, but he's really just kind of, Eye candy. Which yeah, nostalgia. Don't normally say that about Paul Bear about calling it my candy, but uh, if he's an it, eye candy. He's one of those giant jawbreakers from Cracker Barrel <laughs> that you can't put in your mouth. <laughs> he's one of those. He's the six foot, like... six foot long uh, Twix bar. You know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Damn just me. I always wanted it to be a little bit more. It was always great to see him. Yeah. And, and I'm sure it meant a lot for him after all he'd gone through to just be able to be out on on TV and to, to hang out with the boys and, and to be used like that. But I uh, just wish you could have gotten a little bit more of it. Um, yeah, no doubt. What? What are you doing here? I'm not stupid. I know why you're here. You're here to ask me what happened earlier tonight. What they did to my face. And how they ruined my dear son's cane sacred memorial for the Undertaker. Alberto, Rey Mysterio, Edge, they will pay. Yes, they will pay. Kane, they will pay. He helps Kane bury the Undertaker alive at the Bragging Rights pay-per-view. And, um... I really thought there was going to be something more of this Kane run, man. I know we talked about this when we covered these matches. I, I thought it was going to be a start of a really big push for Kane, but just didn't quite uh, didn't quite end up that way as we get into this bizarre angle with Edge here. Well, once you beat your brother three times in a row, you can only go downhill from there, and which we're going to go downhill real fast. So can we just read what you got from Wikipedia here? <laughs> well, uh, yeah, uh, Kane... Barry's the Undertaker alive. He, yeah. he moves on to this feud with Edge, and I I do remember watching this on TV at the time, mm-hmm. and just having a just the thought of WTF, like what yeah. is happening on TV. And this made I, me hate Kane. It made me hate Edge. And Edge, I, yeah. honestly, like, uh, and uh, I didn't know how better to sum it up than to just copy and paste from Wikipedia. So yeah, just go for it, Travis, and and, uh, and give us this. <gasps> Kane enters the feud with Edge after he was named a new challenger of Kane's World Heavyweight Championship at Survivor Series. In the 12th episode of SmackDown, Kane costs Edge's match against the Nexus member, David Otungo. After the match, Edge kidnaps Paul Bear by strapping him to a wheelchair. Later that night, Edge uses Bear to cost Kane his match against the Big Show. The following week, Edge torments Bear throughout the night by throwing a dodgeball at him and force-feeding him and throwing pizza all over him. You dodge a wrench, you dodge a ball. Exactly. Dodge, duck, dip, dive, and dodge, baby. Then Edge is going to use Bear to call for Kane in the parking lot, but Kane wasn't able to get to Bear in time because Edge is going to attack him and then drive off with him. At Survivor Series, Edge brings an empty wheelchair, causing Kane to go mad and try to interrogate him on where Bear is held captive. Even though the match ends in the draw, Kane was unable to find Bear as Edge has wheeled his enemy into a barricade. On November 26th episode of SmackDown, Kane demands that Edge let Bear go, but Edge refused. Kane attempts to track down Bear, but he was unable to find him, 
Kane offers a second title shot to Edge, which he accepts, but continues to keep Paul Bear with him. At the end of the night, sorry, at the end of the night, Edge lures Kane to the parking lot where Edge drove over a dummy version of Paul Bear with the actual Paul Bear in the backseat of the car. On December 3rd episode, Matt Helen Edge continues his mind games with Kane by pushing a dummy version of Paul Bear down some stairs. Then, after Edge defeats Kane in the non-title match, he brought out a Paul Bear lookalike. Kane then goes to search for Bear again, but Edge drives away in a truck with Paul Bear tied up in the back. <gasps> the following week, Kane begged Edge to return Paul Bear, but Edge once again refused. Kane refused to participate in the main event that night, once again forced him to search for Bear. After seeing what he thought was a dummy version of Paul Bear on top of two ladders, Kane pushes him over because he's been tricked by this ruse in the past here. Afterward, Kane, in turn, realizes he pushes the actual Paul Bear off the ladders onto the concrete floor, thus injuring him and riding him out of storyline. Oh my gosh! <laughs> wow. They killed Paul Bear again! Dude, wow. I... This is so ridiculous. I hated it. Edge is a baby face during right. this? Just torturing yeah. the poor, sweet, innocent Paul Bear. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh... Oh my goodness. It's rough, man. It was... Rough for us on TV. Yeah. But, you know, I talked about Paul Bear's blog earlier, and I was reading about it during this time. He actually says on his blog that this was some of the favorite stuff he ever did. Because during all this time where he's kidnapped by Edge, he's got duct tape over his mouth, and he, he doesn't True. get to talk. He doesn't get to say anything. He, and he said he felt like it really challenged him as a performer because he had to do it all with his eyes and with his with his body with his facial expressions like Tom and, Hardy and, and it made it so much harder for him to do and uh, yeah Paul Bear is the Tom Hardy of professional <laughs> wrestling as we've always said uh, <laughs> but you know what we might have hated it but I'm glad that Paul Bear uh, yeah. enjoyed it and found some, some purpose and, and, and found some fun in it yeah if he loved it that's all that matters that's what matters, dude. You know, we, uh, you and I, we, in high school, we, we had drama class. Uh, we took, we took that, you know, throughout high school and we loved performing and acting. And, uh, there's something that our, our drama teacher, Miss Lee always told us, uh, and, and Monique, our, our, our uh, fellow podcaster, she was in our drama classes quite a bit mm-hmm. uh, from the wrestling winos podcast. But, um, she always said and taught us to perform to the back of yep. the theater. Uh, meaning what? What did that mean? Cheap seats. People in the very back. You want whatever you're doing on stage. You want the people in the back to be able to see it. So that's why you sell big. You don't make subtle moves. You make big sales, big facial features, big smiles. Your eyes wide open. You, you sell it to the cheapest seat as far away as you can. And guess who did that better than almost anybody? Is there any human being in the world of professional wrestling that did that better than Paul Bear? No, I don't think so. No. I don't think so. I honestly don't. <laughs> really? Uh, and, and even when he's getting kidnapped and, and can't say anything, he was trying to do that. He's the king of that. Yeah. He is someone that young performers, wrestling or managing, whatever you're mm-hmm. doing, they should honestly study Paul Bear uh, and how he was able to do that. Yep, absolutely. He's fantastic. Well, he makes his final WWE appearance in April of 2012 on an episode of Monday Night Raw with his son Kane again in an angle against Randy Orton in a, I mean, 
it's hard to believe. Uh, I bet you could ask a lot of people. They would probably forget that Randy Orton and Kane had a WrestleMania match in 2012. Uh, I would oh, I'll never that forget. <laughs> on most days. I was so disappointed. And it kept going even after WrestleMania. But uh, Kane actually attacked Randy's father, Cowboy Bob Orton, uh, before this. And so Randy's going to try to get revenge against Kane by attacking his father, Paul Bearer, and locks him in a meat freezer yet again. Which, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's, uh, if Paul had uh, a nickel for every time he'd been locked in a meat freezer, he'd have, he'd have two nickels, but it's, have a dime, yeah. it's weird that it happened twice. Um, it's like a dumb number when he's like, oh, I fell on the tarmac again. <laughs> exactly <laughs> it's my favorite right. part of the whole movie. Cause he says again. <laughs> Big gulps, huh? <laughs> All right. See you later. Uh, well, hey, Kane, we can keep going. Kane saves Paul Bearer, but... It's only to toss him back into the meat freezer and say, I'm just here to save you from me, uh, which doesn't really make any sense. Uh, and it's the last time we see Paul on WWE television. Again, I'm sure he was just excited to get the call and, and to you know, get out of the house and, and to be used again. Uh, and, sure, that check was nice, too. Yeah, I'm sure it was. Um and, and at least we got one last scream from Paul Bearer yeah. as the door to the meat freezer is closed and he's locked away. And, and that's where the Paul Bearer character rots away <laughs> inside a meat yeah. freezer somewhere. was rumored actually and i believe he was asked to reunite with the brothers of destruction at raw 1000 in 2012 okay, into 2012 uh -huh, yeah. where they uh chokeslam kurt hawkins and i think it's jinder mahal maybe, maybe tyler so. rex maybe a maybe couple, -Rex. couple of guys i know kurt hawkins was one of them but uh, apparently he had scheduling conflicts he couldn't quite make it out there and then we're tragically going to lose the man, the legend, Bill Moody, Paul Bear, at the age of 58 due to a heart attack on March 5th, 2015. Way too young. 13. Yeah, 2013, March 5th, 2013. And uh, I remember it happening. I remember being very sad to read about the news. And immediately, though, he's gonna, uh, his legacy is going to live on after his passing. I was going to say, at Raw 1000, something big does happen in that CM Punk turns heel against The Rock. Oh, you think there he's you coming go. out? There's you the think connection. he's coming out to uh, to save or help Rock, and he winds up, uh, Rock's doing people's elbow, I think it is, and and Punk runs in and clotheslines him, and that's when Punk turns heel, which then he's going to go on to lose to The Rock twice in a row, once to a people's elbow. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> yeah, don't get me started All on right. that, Ooh, how that run ended. But anyway, but he's going to segue that. I said to say that's where the seed was planted of Punk being heel, and then he's going to. It was hard for me to take him as a heel. I, lo I we loved him at the time. We lo and like I love Rock, but I wanted we wanted to see Punk in Mania. Punk should have been the main event of Mania that year. But if you're not main event, what's the next match you want? Undertaker. The Undertaker match, the right? And and what better way to get actual heel heat on CM Punk, who everybody loved, than to turn Paul Bear's actual death into an angle i mean immediately like the immediately. next week on raw dude he's there and we see a, a tribute to bear that 
Punk's going to interrupt. The next few weeks, we see Heyman come out dressed as Paul Bearer, which was a is beautiful. It was so well done. Like Paul Bearer knew how to sell the cheap seats when he was being. Well, I mean, Paul Heyman knew how to when he was being Bear. And then Punk's going to steal the urn and the infamous thing where he dumps the ashes all over Undertaker and rubs them on himself. So, using uh, again for, for someone outside the business, it's kind of weird for us to see this kind of stuff. Like, but, but like everyone in the business always says, like, oh, you know, Eddie would have loved it when you use him. Dusty would love it when you use him. Paul Bear would have loved it. And like his kids said that I think in the Hall of Fame, if I'm not mistaken, they say like he he loved this stuff. Like he he loved it. He would have loved them using him. It's kind of uncomfortable to watch so soon, but like it helped sell this match for sure to me kane says in the mortician documentary he said you know some people might say oh this is tacky this is gross that you're using him uh uh in this way right after he passed away and he says what better way to honor exactly this man than by you by uh having him be the focal point exactly of a wrestlemania match in front of seventy thousand people i mean that there speaks to no his story. legacy yeah yeah there was no story going in it was just punks getting taker because it's the next best thing what there would was it have no been story. if paul barrett had no passed idea. away yeah he gifted them in his death he mm. gifted them the story yeah. to build this match around he did and yeah like you said what better way to honor him than to make him a focal point of a match uh and th- one of my favorite wrestlemania matches it's Absolutely. fantastic and uh so good Spoiler alert, next month on the show, we're going to look back at that. We're going to look back 10 years later at CM Punk versus The Undertaker. But yeah, I you're can't right, wait. man. It, 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 there was nobody better but Punk and Heyman to really yeah. embrace that and, and to go along with that. And, and they really did. Undertaker did. He talked about it was a little uncomfortable for him at first, but he knew how much it would honor mm-hmm. Paul Bear by having him be a part of that. Um, he Taker even has some gear. You know, he's got a Paul Bear tribute on his pants uh, at WrestleMania mm. 29. Has a symbol for him on his gear. He gets the urn back in victory. Pays tribute to him yeah. at that moment. And yeah, it's hard to say when someone passed away. Oh yeah, they would have loved this. But Paul Bear of all people oh, yeah. would have loved this <laughs> and embraced this. And uh, I want to mention too on the Mortician documentary, Mick Foley uh, says on there. He heard the news about Bear dying, and he was uh, driving to Indianapolis uh, before uh, an event. He was supposed to be going to a signing or something like that. And he says he was in his car, and he he pulled over, and he put in the GPS. He put in Mobile, Alabama, uh, for you know to go to be able to go to the funeral. And it's like 750 miles from where he is. And he says, "I didn't think twice. I just turned the car around." And I started driving to Mobile, Alabama, because I knew there's three people from WWE that need to be at this funeral. One is The Undertaker, one is Kane, and one is me. Yep. And so he said it wasn't even a question uh, uh, of 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 how it was. You know, it, it. I just turned the car around and started yeah. driving back in that direction. And I thought That's that was awesome. that was really cool, really special for him to say that. Um, so of course he does pass away. He has a funeral and then gets honored um, in just you know the best way possible in the world of wrestling. He gets inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame in 2014, the very next year, by his son 
Kane, who gives the speech to induct him, and then gets accepted by his uh, two sons in real life, Michael and Daniel Moody, uh, who uh, pay tribute to him. On behalf of the whole Moody family, we want to thank the whole WWE universe for being able to share our father with all of you. And of course, we can't leave until this final thing is said. Oh, yes! Uh, sadly, uh, Michael actually passed away just, uh, yeah. just shortly after this, uh, not very long after this. Um, and, but I'm glad they got to have that moment and experience that uh, while they were both still there. I'm sure it meant a lot to them. And then, I mean... What about this moment where The Undertaker makes a rare Hall of Fame appearance? Yeah, it comes out in character to pay tribute to Paul Bearer, which, again, unheard of, like literally it never happened before. So that, again, just goes to show you the um, the importance of this man to that character, to the wrestling business, to WWF, to the fans, you know, to have Taker be willing to. He's not he's not Mark Calloway coming out, but he's Undertaker coming out of the hall of fame and doing that's awesome man so i remember in 2014 when this happened when he went in the hall of fame i kind of was like eh, okay like i i loved paul bearer growing up i loved him as a kid but i i always thought of him kind of as like one-dimensional like yeah he's mm-hmm. just the guy that's with the undertaker and, and yeah. he's great at it and he's he's funny and you know i i, I remember imitating him as a kid and, and enjoying it yeah. and i was like is he a hall of fame is he a Hall of Famer? You know, does he really deserve that? I can't think of anything that I changed my opinion on more throughout <laughs> this podcast than right. recognizing how important Paul Bearer was I agree. and how pivotal he was and how much he deserved to be in the Hall of Fame because he was not just the side piece to The Undertaker. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was so much more than that. And, and I'm so glad that they did honor him. And especially, you know, just right away, they said he oh, was yeah. going in the Hall of Fame immediately. He deserved yeah, it. No. Yeah, I can't think of anything that I've, you know, we've learned a lot of stuff during this podcast. Like you said, I think the biggest thing is just we know how great Taker was. We know how great the storylines are with, with Kane and, and this and that and the other. But I just think, yeah, seeing how vital this guy was to making it all click. I took him for granted, dude. I did. And you watched way more than I did as a kid. But like, just saying, like, you took it for granted too. Like, we, I think a lot of us did. And then, Going back through it like we have, it's just, golly, what, Taker wouldn't have lasted without Paul Bear. He really wouldn't have. I don't think so. I don't think so either. I, I don't think it would have been as long. I mean, there's there certain things you could do, but I don't know. But um, he's going to get, like you said, the mortician special, which you got some of this information from. It's going to come out in November 2020. Uh, and then we see his urn as part of those WWE Lost Treasure show, which is pretty cool. So um, those are coming back on after Elimination Chamber, which yeah. will be before this podcast right. drops. So. That and the rivals thing, uh, which gonna be gonna be good stuff. But um, then he actually does make one final appearance in the WWF, and something that I thought was just amazing. I know some people don't. I don't care. This was incredible for us to see. Why don't you tell us where he makes his final appearance at? It's the Undertaker's final farewell at Survivor Series yeah. 2020. He appears as a hologram. Which yeah. <laughs> imagine. Saying that sentence to someone in 1991 when he debuted that he would one day appear as a hologram. Um, You could have never dreamed something up like that. But, 
Yeah, the Undertaker ends that final farewell by kneeling down, making that Shakespeare pose, and a hologram of Paul Bearer appears. You hear the, oh, yes, uh, come out, uh, you know, over the audio. And it just shows you his importance to the man, Mark Calloway. Bingo. Because Mark Calloway could have vetoed that. He could have said, yeah. this moment's about me. You know, yep. you show Paul Bear in the video package beforehand, but mm-hmm. this is my moment. This is my 30 years in the business. I want the spotlight to be on me. He said, no, we need to have it be me and Paul Bear yep. at the very end. That needs to be the final image of the undertaker is him and Paul yeah. bear. And it just shows what a vital role he had in his career and in his life. Uh, that that gets to be part of the undertaker's final farewell is him yeah. paying homage to Paul bear. Yeah. It's crazy. I can't, there's nothing else to say. That's it's perfect. That was a perfect way to end his, his career. Uh, he just, you know, just, just to wrap things up, man, he, he, he just seemed like a genuinely, hilarious and sweet human being to be around from clips in that mortician documentary just so much so ribbing much, people backstage so <laughs> many ribs backstage uh <laughs> just so fun to be around off camera uh there's that clip of him where they're embalming stone cold steve austin alive and yeah they cut his like, shirt open and then he goes to cut his pants open and stone cold's like what, the fuck? Like, what are you doing yeah. uh, he just made people laugh in these great moments uh, uh, they talk about what a huge George Jones fan he was. Uh, up bones. <laughs> that he would carry around eight by tens of George Jones in his suitcase, <laughs> just in case they ever ran into him, which he did apparently. And I uh, got to go backstage and see a George Jones concert, which is great. Just Always to, be prepared. Taker talked about it at the one dead man show that I attended. He, he said a great story about driving with, with bearer and, and bearer would, be the guy. He would be the guy that would always put cucumbers in Taker's water yeah. or his tea or whatever, which we know Taker has a phobia of. And Taker got him back one time. They were driving, and, and Paul's, Paul told Taker, you know, I, I got to take a leak. I got to go to the restroom. Let, let's hit the next exit. And Taker's like, I got you. And then he missed that exit. And, and Paul's like, hey, you missed the exit back there. And Taker's like, oh, I'm sorry. I wasn't paying attention. I'll get the next one. And then he missed the next one too, and just kept going until until Paul had to uh, <laughs> had to pee his pants. Uh, um, so Taker got one back on Paul, but Paul got quite a few ribs on him, man. Oh boy, I love it. Uh, let me ask you a couple questions here to wrap this up, Travis. Um, if there was a moment, you know, we, we, we Paul Bear's been gone for ten years now. Taker's career lasted many years after that. Is there a moment in the past 10 years where you wish Paul Bearer could have been involved in something that The Undertaker or Kane was a part of over the past 10 years? It would have been nice to have seen him at the uh, the match with AJ Styles. Ooh, okay. That yeah. would have been neat yeah. to have had him be, be able to have been a part of that somehow. Uh, it, it, honestly, it may have changed the dynamic, though. It may not have. I don't know. I don't know if it really works with the, the guy riding in on the bike, but I mean, I think it would have been cool to have seen some kind of cameo from him there. So I'm just because we knew it was Taker's final match. His last match, yeah. To see Paul be in that would have been really cool. Plus, it's in a graveyard ish yeah. area. Like it's just, it would have been, it would have been cool, man. Would have you could have had just a little shot of him after the match where he's just like you know. 
putting a little dirt on the grave. Yeah, or like, exactly. You know, straightening the tombstone or something like yeah. that. Just like, you know, a little five second cameo. That would have been cool. Yeah, he just dusts off the tombstone yeah. or something, you know, and he's, it, the camera pans back and it's just seems like, look, kind of looks at it. Oh, yeah. Like that. A little just, something like that yeah, would have been cool. Just, <laughs> yeah. I didn't think about, about you? that, but I like that. Uh, you know, I think it, it, something involving Bray Wyatt and him, like maybe he gives a little advice to Bray Wyatt in trying to beat The Undertaker or something like that. Could have mm, been cool yeah. for their uh, WrestleMania 31 match. But I think, gosh, it's it's a shame he couldn't have been the manager for the Brothers of Destruction at Survivor Series 2015, the 25th anniversary of Undertaker. Yeah. If he could have been there to just be ringside for that match, what a special match and moment. It just would have been awesome uh, yeah. to have him be a part of that. That would have been cool. And then, I mean, where do you rank Paul Bear's legacy as a manager, dude? Do you, do you put him on the Mount Rushmore of pro wrestling managers? Who is on your Mount Rushmore of Ooh. pro wrestling managers? I mean, Bobby Heenan and Paul Heyman are honestly going to be on there. Yep, I think, I think they it's have because to be. of what we do. I have to put Paul Bear up there. I don't. He didn't have a great array of talent he managed for a long time, but the people he managed and really managed were important. You and know, the impact. Vader, the impact. Yeah, Vader and Mankind. Yeah, but like, you know, Executioner, whatever. But those are all part of the story of Taker and of Kane. So I mean, I think he'd have to be up there, you know, and just how vital he was. He was part of the package with Taker. He was. There's never been anybody else as a manager who was just as vital to getting that character over as he was. Now, Paul Heyman helps get Brock Lesnar over, but Brock Lesnar's already freaking over when he walks yeah. out as a character. Like, but and he's he's on a gimmick. But as a gimmick, no manager has ever been so vital to getting that gimmick over as Bear is to Taker. So I say you got to have those Heenan, Heyman, Cornette, and Paul Bear. I, that's exactly what I was gonna say. Those are the four. That's the, I think that's the Mount Rushmore of yeah. managers, and and I and I think you're fooling yourself if you don't put Bear. We're biased, but uh, I think he he belongs right up yeah. there with those guys as well, 100. Yeah. percent And and it's I think that's be those four. the greatest compliment you can give to his legacy right there that you put yeah. in, uh, in that. Yeah, with those three guys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and uh, it's awesome that he. Touched so many guys as, as Percy Pringle as well, like, you know, so many other Hall of Famers and legends. And uh, I, I really truly hope that his story and his memory gets told uh, and gets remembered for many, many years after this. And if we can be a small part of uh, just continuing to, to honor that and to uh, spread that memory and spread that legacy, you know, it's a it's a uh, it's an honor to be a part of that. So uh, Absolutely. I'm glad we discovered it and found a love for it and appreciated him throughout the years. So uh, let us know. Tell us uh, what your favorite Paul Bearer, Percy Bringle, Will, uh, William Moody memories are. Tell us uh, your favorite uh, moments of him uh, on WWE television. Uh, I asked for some moments on our Twitter feed at Talking Taker uh, before we recorded this. And uh, I'm going to pull them up here. Ooh, my airplane. AirPods are about to die. All right. We'll wrap it up here. Oh, is it my fairly quickly. Uh, Drew Carfrey said WrestleMania 20. That, oh, yes. From Paul Bearer and the 
He's talking to the camera. You're no son of mine. Talking to Kane. <laughs> He's just selling it so well. Chris Sulima said his return in 04 and 2010 were incredible. Uh, old Princeton John, friend of the podcast, said, I loved how he could help elevate a story. Without Paul, the Undertaker Kane story would not have been the best storyline in history. Amen. And his facial expressions were the absolute best. Amen. And, uh, of course, our friend Randy Turco, he mentioned a couple of moments. And, uh, no, Randy. <laughs> 1998, Kane and Stone Cold threw Paul Bearer down a manhole, the manhole. on Raw in 1998. Head you remember first, that? Wasn't it? I, I think it was. Which, like, <laughs> he said, number one, how was that physically possible? And uh, a, it just it just shows you how uh, how much a dedication he had to his craft that he was willing to do that because, you know, that was not like a that was not on a Hollywood backlot. I mean, uh, yeah. that was like that was legit. And then uh, he also mentions this commercial leading up into WrestleMania 11 with Paul Bear, Mr. Oh, Fuji, and Nicholas yeah. Turturro of New, uh, NYPD Blue fame, where I don't even know how to describe it, but uh, it, it ends up with Mr. Fuji in a dress and a wig yeah. and looking like Marilyn Monroe. And uh, it's hilarious. It's great. Uh, check it out on YouTube. Great memories. Paul Bear, you know, I, I've said on this podcast before, Kane is somebody who would just he would say yes to whatever you, you told him to do and he would make it work. He probably learned that from Paul bear. Mm -hmm. He would, no matter how ridiculous, no matter how over the top he was going to commit to it and he was going to make it work and he was going to sell it. And, uh, that's part of what made him so legendary. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, and one thing, and this is just come off the top of my head. Um, I always bring Batman into these undertaking things. He reminded me of Oswald Cobblepot. Mm. Uh Oh, did I lose my sound? He reminded me, Okay, can you? Um, he reminded me of Oswald Cobblepot, mm. uh, from, who's the penguin, if you don't know. Wow. So, yeah, that was one thing that I'll, I'll kind of drew me to him, too. So, anyway, but. So many great memories. I'm sure there's so much we've missed. Please let us know your favorite Paul Bear moment and promo and uh, memories. Uh, hit us up at Talking Taker, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Be sure to follow us there. And uh, be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. Be sure to subscribe to YouTube. we got exclusive content that only comes out on YouTube. Uh, we share the top 10 list, the top 10 matches of the uh, Return of the Dead Man era, which this match was discussed on there, and some Paul Bear memories are discussed there on YouTube. Lots of stuff coming out there that you don't find on your podcast feed. Make sure you head to tpublic.com. Pick up a Talking Taker t-shirt. Uh, just, you know, look. If they're not on sale one day, check back the next day because they probably will be on sale. Then at that time, you can get a t-shirt for 30% off. Wear that t-shirt to the One Dead Man show. To your autograph sign to your meet and greet with Undertaker. Take a picture with him in a Talking Taker t-shirt. Any of them, we will send you a free, special, exclusive gift from us here at Talking Taker. Uh, we'd love to see it. We haven't seen one of those in a long time. We'd love to see another one. Make sure you're following our friends, uh, Collecting Dead Man Podcast, going through all of the merch and uh, memories of Dead Taker uh, at Collect Up Dead. Uh, make sure you're following Watch Along Tommy on YouTube uh, and his channel. Uh, he just went to Raw this past week in Brooklyn and I had some vlogs going to awesome. that. He shared with me that they do, during the commercial breaks, they don't do a kiss cam, they do an Undertaker cam, and they, and they go around the arena and people doing the trying to roll their eyes back in their oh, head wow, or doing awesome. the throat slash and stuff like that. He showed that's a video awesome. of that. Very fun stuff. 
Uh, be sure to follow our friends Mike Pru and JV at the Bottom Line Wrestling Podcast. Dude, they just did a celebrity death match episode uh, talking about Stone Cold <laughs> Steve Austin on Celebrity Death Match. Very, very fun. Brought back all the memories from 1998. Really enjoyed that. And uh, man, I'm trying to think what else is there. Oh, yeah. Manscaped.com. Use the code TAKEREASY, 20% off, and free shipping at manscaped.com. How long is the code good for? Uh, it's Right now it's good through uh, March 7th, but uh, right. hopefully if we get more hopefully. of you to subscribe and to use it, uh, this can become a long-term partnership. Just exactly. straight up. you know, It's a temporary thing right now, but the more that we get uh, to use the code in the first month, this can become a long-term thing for us. So uh, we encourage you to do it. Do it by March 7th and really, really help out Talking Taker. Use the code TAKEREASY for 20% off. Manscaped.com, your entire order and free shipping. And we will be back here on April 1st with a look back 10 years later at the Undertaker versus CM Bug at WrestleMania 29. One of the last great matches of the Undertaker's yep. career. Very excited to look back at this one with you, Travis. Oh, yeah. I can't wait, man. Yeah, if you were there for any of these times we talked about tonight, especially in Mobile, what was it? Mobile? No. Yes, if you're there when he came out at the ECW SmackDown taping, please let us know. Share with us your favorite Paul Bear memories. Manscaped.com, take her easy. And also, those of you out there, stay safe. And as always, take her easy. Oh, yes. <laughs> I think William Moody's legacy is that if you take a character... And put your heart and soul into it. It can succeed beyond your wildest dreams. Once again, the Pringles dynasty is wrecking havoc all across Florida. Since I knew Percy from the beginning, I knew what he wanted and dreamed of. He reached those dreams. He really did. <laughs> Despite the fact that he wasn't an in-ring wrestler, he's one of the greatest characters in WWE history. We had such a short interaction to start with. And then come around full circle and be such an integral part of my career. I could be more thankful to know Bill, the man, and Paul, the character. Why does everyone want to know what's inside our sacred earth? It's been so many years. I've been so many places. I've had so many experiences all around the world. Knowing what's happened through the years. My two boyhood dreams of being a wrestler and a funeral director, and putting them together, and look what we have. Paul Bear, commanding a spirit of the Undertaker. Oh, yes! <laughs> Paul Bear, of all things.